Blog Talk Radio. Miami is different. You know it the moment you arrive. The scene, the surf, the light, the energy. From sunrise to sunset, there is a rhythm. Miami is not just a place you live. It is not just a place you work. It is a place you feel. A global city, diverse in culture and proud of its roots. People change the world here. They build businesses, make discoveries, find solutions, film movies, showcasing their creative and artistic gifts. They also love to play football. Football is the Every city, every neighborhood, every park, every block that makes up the 305 is consumed by this great world. Across this vast and beautiful landscape we call paradise, there is one team to grow up watching, grow up rooting for, and ultimately strive to be up for. Because there is only one team that defines the city of Miami, one team that unites us all, one team that is, at its core, Miami. That team is the youth. The Hurricanes are more than just a football team. We have the power to raise up Miami, spiritually, emotionally, and carry the city on our broad shoulders. Our tradition is unparalleled. Five national championships have pushed us for more. It means something to wear that gear. It means sacrifice. It means excellence. It means brotherhood. And when the Miami Hurricanes did on opening day, and we thank you for Michael Irvin for that piece of drama there to get our show started tonight. Uh, Michael produced that piece, and that was just an excerpt of it for the University of Miami football program to use in recruiting. But it wasn't always as pretty as everyone would have liked Saturday at Hard Rock Stadium. But football is back, and now the Canes Nation has something that it could touch, that it can feel, that tonight it can talk about. And that's what we're going to do as we begin a new episode of Canes Sport Live. We're going to dissect the Bethune-Cookman opener and look ahead to Arkansas State and everything else in between. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to Canes Sport Live, the people's show. As always, it's your show, and it'll be driven by your participation. The call-in number is 563-999-3633. That's 563-999-3633. We have more than 100 open phone lines, plenty of room for everybody to call in, participate. You know the drill. If you want to come on the show, you hit the number one on your keypad. That shoots you into the queue. And from there, we bring you on the show in the order um, that you land in that queue and you know who has rights on being first and uh, he's there again this evening I'll tell you that but we'll get to that in a minute as always we ask the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to submit questions and topics that they would like to hear discussed on tonight's show 
I'll address a few of them now, and we'll get to others later in the show. Here's some of what they came up with. How many points do the Hurricanes need to beat Arkansas State to feel comfortable going into Tallahassee? I'll tell you how many points they need to beat Arkansas State on Saturday. One more than Arkansas State gets. Hey, this is a legit football team that you're playing on the road this weekend. The betting line is 14 points, which you hope is about right, and Miami can win decisively, maybe even by a greater margin. But I think everyone saw in Arkansas State's game at Nebraska on Saturday that this is a very representative football team, and it's been a representative football program for several years. Miami's going to get a decent test on Saturday, and hopefully it will be, it'll be a good one because they can use a little hardener for the FSU game a week later. FSU got the ultimate hardener the other night by taking on Alabama in that game in Atlanta. And that's a – I don't know if anybody realizes that's an advantage for Florida State to have, to have gone through that football game – while Miami theoretically is playing Bethune-Cookman and Arkansas State. Um, It's like putting a good workout in a racehorse before the Kentucky Derby. Um, So I think you want to hope that Arkansas State is as advertised and can challenge Miami a little bit. I feel pretty confident that they're going to challenge the Miami defense a little bit with their passing game. They threw the ball, I think think it was 68 times the other day at Nebraska, ran 90 plays. The Miami defense is going to get a test on Saturday. And talking about the margin of victory, I, I feel that, you know, obviously Miami should win this game, but you want to make sure you win the game. You're not worried about how many points you win by. And um, like I said, I think it would be a good thing if Arkansas State gave Miami some competition on Saturday to kind of harden this team a little bit, getting ready to go into the ultimate test in Tallahassee. And don't think it's going to be any less ultimate because they're playing – with a, with a new quarterback, just like Miami is. Based on what we've seen during training camp, how much was held back against Bethune? Well, I mean, of course, a ton was held back. Um, but really, after a full season of Mark Richt, I'm not sure that there's a lot of secrets left about what Miami's going to do. I mean, I'm sure Mark has a couple offensive wrinkles that he came up with over the offseason. He's going to roll out at various times during the year. One of them was certainly the runs by Malik Razier. You certainly didn't see Brad Kaya doing any of that. Um, I'm also sure that Manny Diaz was sitting on his hands quite a bit, and it was kind of hard for him to watch Bethune move the ball at times. But, I mean, in, in terms of how much they held back, of course they held back a lot. You know, they were playing Bethune-Cookman in the opener, and there's no reason that you're going to just lay it all out there Um, in a season-opening game of that type. All right, once again, the phone number, 563-999-3633-563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Um, I'll get to more questions as we go forward. But now let's go out to your phone calls and kicking us off, as he always does, I'm pretty sure, is our buddy Greg out at the 845 you're live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how are you today? Doing great, Greg. How are you doing this week? I'm doing great. Um, I just wanted to start out by saying I want to applaud Blake James for scheduling Alabama in 2021. 
But I also want to know why a program like Miami has to travel to Arkansas State. You don't see FSU doing that. You don't see Florida doing that. Why does Miami have to lower itself to do that? Great, great, national they, style. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. When they scheduled that game, um, it, it was at a time when things were kind of changing in college football and the, the teams, the Sunbelt teams and the, the teams like Bethune-Cookman and FAMU and, 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 and those types started to take on a lot greater value with programs all over the country. And, uh, you know, it, it's not as easy to schedule these guys as, as you might think it would be and because everybody wants to schedule them. So I think when they did the deal with Arkansas State, uh, Arkansas State made a condition of the deal that they wanted a home-and-home. And, home. and uh, I think Miami needed games. Uh, I think Miami prefers. I don't, I don't know what the what the financial um, elements of the deal are, but I am assuming that they're they're better than having to pay Arkansas State say a million dollars when they come to Hard Rock Stadium. And I'm pretty sure Arkansas State de- demanded that if they were going to schedule Miami, that it was going to be on a home and home basis. And you know, it's a it's, it's a non-conference game on the road. You typically want to play one of those every year anyway. Um, you've got Notre Dame coming in so that, that was already on the schedule, and, and I guess they decided to go ahead and go ahead and do it. Um, I know it's not ideal. I know it's not a great travel game for people unless you're into um, hanging out in Memphis a little bit and, and taking in some of the sights in Memphis and then driving over for the game, which I know some people are doing. Um, but when they did the when they did the game, they decided that it was uh, in the best interest of the program to go ahead with that deal. Okay. Is there any chance they won't play this game due to the hurricane? Don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think there's a greater chance the team leaves earlier, like leaves on Thursday instead of Friday, to make sure they can get out. But, uh, you know, no, I, 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 there's no reason for them to not go play the game. I think they will go play the game on Saturday afternoon. The storm is expected to, to flirt with the area on Saturday night and Sunday. I think what more likely is to happen is they just stay in Memphis an extra day or two and, and just see how things go. And they have to be prepared for all contingencies. You know, if, if if the hurricane takes a big hit and, and is impacting the community, uh, they may and and it's and it's it's impacted the campus. Uh, maybe they don't come back. <laughs> you know, maybe they maybe they stay on the road the whole week and 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 go into Tallahassee on Friday. You know, so uh, I haven't heard any announcements on that regard yet. I'm just speculating right now. But uh, you know, they can go a lot of different ways with this. But I don't see how canceling the game is, you know, when you have all the considerations at Arkansas state, you're contractually obligated to play the game. And there's really no reason the storm has not hit yet. It hasn't done anything yet. Um, there's, I think there's ample time for people to make sure their families are secure. Um, maybe even in some cases, bring their families to the game. Um, I'm sure the university would make those seats available on the charter if, if, if that's what's determined um, and attack it that way. So, uh, no, I don't think they should cancel it. All right, next. It looked like the defense was sleepwalking in the first quarter. I, I couldn't believe they were letting him run through them like that. It, it, it was shocking to me based on well, what I saw at the end of the last year. What I, would I say, know we were substituting a bunch of players, but that was terrible at the beginning. 
Yeah, I, I I think what I would say is they clearly didn't come they didn't come with their game faces on. You know, they they weren't they weren't really emotionally invested in that game. Uh, I saw Kendrick Norton do a few things. You know, once once they went through some struggles. I saw Shaq Quarterman running around quite a bit. I thought Zach McLeod at moments, you know, like he was, you know, playing a little bit. But but for the most part, they really didn't come to play. They had, they had a very vanilla game plan. Um, the coverages were as basic as can be, very soft. Uh, I can't believe man, that's what Manny really wanted. I, I would I'm, I would think that he wanted his corners to challenge a little bit more than they did at times. Um, and I think that Bethune did a good job of throwing some things out there at them that were effective, uh, you know, particularly those passes out on the perimeter where they were matching up bigger players against Miami's, uh, the, the you know, smaller cornerbacks in some cases, uh, and they caught him a couple times. And, uh, so, you know, I, I think in a way that there's some benefits from it because I think that the coaches were able to see where maybe they're not quite as, as stout in certain areas as they hoped they were and thought they were. There's a big difference to me when defensive backs, for example, are going against Miami's offense all through spring practice, all through fall practice, all through the summer in seven-on-sevens. I mean, they know the plays, okay? They know the playbook as well as the Miami offensive players know the playbook. And I think that can impact practice field performance. Well, now you get into a game, and you've got no clue what the opponent's doing, especially when it's somebody like Bethune-Cookman. And um, so I, I think it can maybe in some ways be good for the coaches to get a, a, a look at their personnel in those type of situations and see how they, they react. But uh, I wouldn't put a whole lot in, into it, Greg. I, I wouldn't get going to a panic. I don't think it means a darn thing about what will happen moving forward in, in, in the season. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, and, and this is one of the questions that was submitted that I might as well address right now, since we're kind of discussing this subject, um, the Delaney. You know, he got a lot of hype coming here in the post-draft. Did he just have an off day, or is he overrated? And, you know, what I would say is, you know, the spotlight was on D. Delaney because he had that one horrible series in the second quarter where they kept throwing at him and throwing at him, and he was getting beat play after play after play. Um, I think he's definitely better than what he showed the other day. Uh, I'm not sure why he was struggling at times out there. But the one thing I will say, Greg, was that he tackled. You know, even though he didn't cover – as well as you, you hope he'll cover at other points of the season, he didn't miss. He wasn't missing guys. And I thought that that was a positive, even though he was a little soft in coverage. So I think the coaches will take those positives and, and build upon them. And I wouldn't get too carried away with making judgments on the defense based on what you saw the other day. All right, one last point on recruiting. I think our best recruit coming in could be Brevin Jordan. This kid looks to me like a clone of Kellen Winslow Jr. Did you, I don't know if you caught it. I watched his first two games. He's an incredible athlete. Yeah, I've watched him a lot. I, I agree with you. I think he's a very incredible athlete. And, and I think that um, Will Mallory, the kid they're getting out of Jacksonville, is also an incredible athlete. I think the tight end position with those two guys is going to be in great shape for four years. I don't know about four, but at least three. All right, well, Gary, tight ends so. very rarely, unless you're like a David Njoku freak. And maybe maybe one or both of these guys will turn out to be three-year guys, but it's not easy for, for, for tight ends to go out early in the draft now. 
Well, David, I think Chalky, Chalky went out early, so did Winslow, so. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about rare, rare, rare birds, man. So we, we'll see. These, well, we'll guys see. Still in high, these guys are still in high school, Greg. I know, yeah, but they're like, playing top competition every week. Yeah, and I agree All with right. you. They're, they're, they're both great prospects. All right, Gary. I'll talk to you All right, we'll talk, week. we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for kicking off the show, as always. All right, 563-999-3633 is your number, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. The queue's still look, you know, pretty wide open, so don't be shy. Well, we'd like to get some new callers to uh, take the plunge and uh, come on the show and give us their opinions tonight. It, it, uh, it's always good to hear some new voices as well as the regular voices. Let's go out now to the 404. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's going on, Gary? This is Uki. Hey, what's up, Uki? How you doing this week? I'm doing pretty good, man. Can't complain. Had to stay off the board this week because, um, I, you know, I didn't want people to say that I'm doom and glooming and I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm a hater and all this stuff. So I just decided to keep all my comments to tonight. Um, wasn't too pleased about the game. I mean, you get every 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 time we play a game like that to a opponent that we should play, it, it's always the same excuse. Or oh, the, the playbook's vanilla, or or they didn't pull out all the stops or whatever. But whatever. I mean, Clemson didn't struggle struggle to play at play Akron or whatever. But we're ready to play Alabama. But whatever. Um, I watched a lot of college football this this weekend, and uh, I know I'm just looking. Certain teams like Alabama, even Florida State, uh, Penn State, and I'm looking at us. We still look relatively small compared to those programs. And I'm supposedly the strength and conditioning program is supposed to be getting better. And you know, we're starting. Everybody keeps talking about we're looking starting to look like a SEC team. I don't see that. At least I didn't see that last this this past weekend. So I don't I'm, know. I'm I don't know. I'm surprised like, you say that because I I mean, to my eye, the. the this is as big and physical and athletic of, of a team as Miami's had in a very long time. I think the linemen look great. They're in shape. Uh, their their weight is not low, but they, they don't Gary. look fat, you know. Gary, Uki, I'm know, just telling you, not, I, mean, I used to think the same thing. I used to go watch those Alabama games in the national title, you know, the national title games. I used to go there and walk around the field before the game, and, and, I, and I looked at the same thing you're talking about, you know, and, and I was like, wow. You know, there's just no comparison. Well, I think they're moving in the right direction. I mean, I don't think if you look at the defensive tackles that they're that they're small. I think if you look at the offensive linemen, I mean, they're not small. I mean, what what makes you think that the offensive oh, linemen? Are I did. We got a couple of D linemen that kind of looked the part, but other than that, though, I'm talking about the entire team. We look pretty well, small. Here, let me l- let's talk about this because you're bringing up a good subject. So let's talk about this for a minute. Let me just throw out some numbers at you. And, and then you can tell me what you think. All right, we're going to take the offensive line. The left tackle is okay. 300 pounds. The left guard is 300 pounds. The center is 300 pounds. The right guard is 350 pounds. And the right tackle is 305 pounds. All of them, all of them except, um, except Trevor, Trevor Darling are, are six, six, five, six, six, or 6'7". Six, um, okay, now, now now pull up pull up Florida State and Alabama's O line and compare that. All right, but but, well, but I don't have that in front of me. I'll try to pull that up in a minute. But let me just and now let's look at the defensive line. Um, one end is Chad Thomas is two seventy five. 
Joe Jackson's two, uh, 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 two six, about 260. And your tackles are Norton 312 and McIntosh 293. I mean, what, I, I mean you, you don't want them necessarily to be fat. These are athletic guys. You've got athletic people playing even at defensive tackle. McIntosh is very athletic. Norton is somewhat athletic. Um, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't see it. I mean, I'll pull up Florida they, State they right said, now. They still also, got bullied. But, they still got bullied by Bethune Cookman this weekend. Uh, no, they didn't get bullied. They got beat. No, Bethune, no, no, no. three touchdowns. They left at least three touchdowns on that field. They, uh, okay, they was moving they, the ball like crazy. They got outplayed. Uki, they got outplayed on individual plays. Okay, no argument there. The defense didn't come to play. They got outplayed on individual plays. They did not get bullied. The, the, the physical mismatch in that game was, was ridiculous, as you would expect it to be. I mean, um, I, I think that the, the, the coach at, at Bethune's a pretty good coach. I think he came up with some decent schemes for a while in that game <laughs> that, we, that, that gave Miami some problems. Coach is a pretty good coach. You want to say He's the Bethune coach, coach is pretty good all right, Gary. Gary, they they, they were they were predicted to be like fourth in their in their conference. He, I mean, like hey, but, like no argument. Last year, it, it, it was bad on some of those plays, but it wasn't because they got bullied. They weren't getting physically manhandled. They were just getting out of position. You know, Joe Jackson was get was get you know breaking was getting caught inside instead of you know setting the edge like he's supposed to. You know, little things like okay, that, you know, and um, so, the cornerbacks so were way is, too soft in coverage, way too soft in coverage. No argument there, but that's not because of a physical, you know, mauling. It's because they were playing too damn soft in coverage. And that don't follow coaching? Look, Manny Diaz was not laying out his schemes in that game. Okay, I mean, he wasn't mixing coverages. He wasn't sending blitzers very much. He wasn't, I mean, it was as vanilla of a defensive game plan as you'll ever see. Um, in no way, shape, or form did they ever feel threatened by, um, by Bethune-Cookman. Um, they hit individual plays, but, you know, I don't feel that, that Miami ever felt threatened and certainly didn't feel physically manhandled by Bethune-Cookman. Okay, let's, let's move on. Um, I, something kind of disturbed me. Like I heard uh, Mark Rick, and I heard a I heard a former another former player mention this too. Almost sounding like, like Miller, Miller. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Go ahead. Uh, uh, Malik World, like like basically Malik just really wasn't pushing that hard for the starting position when Kaya was here. Like, he was basically, like, I think Rick made a comment to his point to, like, like he wasn't prepared. Like, basically, he wasn't prepared like he thought he should be, in a, you know, a redshirt junior or a redshirt senior or whatever he is. But, um, and he felt like, basically, he was settling for just being a backup quarterback. Or he was, and you know, that, that bothers me because, that's saying like we have a lot of players on that team that might have that mentality that are willing to who who don't really care they're just happy to be on the team happy to have a scholarship to Miami, but starting is not necessarily a, a priority. But that's what made Miami so great. Players came here to 
take other players' positions, not just to be another name on the damn roster. And that's what makes Alabama great because people can say whatever about those four or five stars going to sit behind those other four or five stars, but they're going there to take spots. And that's why they continue to be great because they're not just settling just to sit, sit behind somebody else to go on the next I think we just got so many cats on our team that just okay being what get with getting whatever place strive to be and I strive to keep the fun in and quite crazy to hear that and and he's a three star that everybody playing you know You're breaking up, Uki. You gotta you gotta you gotta fix that phone and we gotta let or we gotta let you go. Can you hear me? Yeah, barely. So I was saying, and Malik's supposed to be a so-called three-star. Squares up and down, has heart, but he was settling to be the second string. And I know well, Ty was I, that. You have to understand, good. okay? And I, I get, I get what you're saying, and you certainly wouldn't want that on your on your team, no doubt about it. But Malik was didn't. Have, I mean, he came in with Kaya. And Kaya was the starting Kaya, quarterback from day from day one, great. and there was no way James not, Coley was gonna was was backing off of his investment in Kaya. So Kaya was solidified as, as the starter. Malik had no chance to out, to unseat him because he's not he's not better. I mean, let's be honest. He had no chance to unseat him, and you know he's different, but he's not better. And and so yeah, I I I would agree with with, with what you're saying that it probably did affect his psyche. So what I'm saying is, so you basically saying the coaches, the previous coaches made no. But in a, in a case like that, you know, there, it, it was just a different type of situation. There's nothing you can do. Listen, I got, I got to let you go because your 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 phone's crapping out. Uh, give give us a call again next week. But uh, I, I see what you're saying. It's it's without question a legitimate point. And maybe Malik Rozier did fall victim to that a little bit. You know, maybe he didn't push himself as much the last few years as maybe he could have if he felt he was in a legitimate uh, competition. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't think that, that, that there's any question that that's a possibility, but all that matters now that he has the starting job is what he's doing right now. And, uh, you know, I think he did pretty well the other day. And uh, before we get to more calls, uh, let, let's talk about the other day a little bit, because I see that there's a lot of debate about players and especially on defense, some people were a little distressed about what they saw and that they didn't, they didn't like the effort that was on display out there. They didn't feel that the defense really brought its game and, and, and it didn't, but let's review some of the things that we saw in the Bethune game real quick here. And then let, let's start with Rozier. And I think, you know, as you were watching the game live and I know I kind of felt this way, you didn't necessarily feel like you were seeing something spectacular out of the quarterback. Uh, he made some nice throws, had some get away from him a little bit as well that maybe he would have liked to head back and, and done a little bit better with. I, you know, One or two of those deep balls come to mind that the receivers didn't really have a chance to make a play on because they were a little too out of, towards out of bounds and things like that. But if you look at it after the fact and sit and take a step back and evaluate the whole body of work, I think Malik Rozier was pretty darn solid. He was uh, he was professional in how he ran the operation. He got the team, did a great job, I thought, getting the team in and out of the huddle. 
you know, there, there were no issues, so to, so to speak, that, you, you know, you're sitting there saying, man, they better correct that this week. Uh, it was a professional operation he was running. Um, I thought he conducted himself with a veteran's maturity before, during, and after the game. I walked away feeling like Malik Rozier had shown us all we could really want on opening day. You know, I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, feel free to call in and give your opinions. But, uh, you know, that's the way I felt leaving the stadium as I uh, went back and reflected on the game. You know, Mark Walton, I think we saw the elite level running back that we expect to see every week this season. I don't think anybody walked out of there disappointed in Mark Walton. I thought Travis Homer really jumped out and really showed up as a kid that's taken that next step forward in his career. Um, We've known since we watched him as a freshman last year on special teams that he's an explosive athlete. There was no question about his athleticism. But now, with him playing the significant role of backup running back, we needed to see more. And I thought we did see more. And what we saw was a kid that always plays extremely hard. He isn't always a natural-looking running back. Uh, Even the coaches were concerned at times that he was dipping his head too much and not running with his head up, and that leaves you susceptible to some pretty darn dangerous injuries as a running back. But he did a great job of finding holes that were there in the Bethune defense. He put up 103 yards. He averaged 9.4 yards a carry. All right, it was just Bethune-Cookman. No argument. He wasn't put in many pass protection situations, which we all know is his major weakness. You know, he doesn't do a good job picking up rushers. Really gets, you know, steamrolled in most times we've seen him in, on the, in scrimmages and stuff in those situations. But maybe he's better at that now, too, and we're going to find that out. But all in all, I think everybody would agree that this was a great start for Travis Homer in his new role. More positives we saw the other day. Let's mention the, the play of, and I'll, I'm sure I'll take more heat on the message boards for mentioning this, but the big receivers, Daryl Langham and Lawrence Cager. Yeah, I'm always talking about big receivers because they don't have to be all Americans to make big impacts when they have that type of size and, uh, and strength advantage on the typically smaller defensive backs that are trying to cover them. And you saw Daryl Langham make an impact in a football game for the first time in his career. You saw Lawrence Cager bring a toughness and physicality to that position on, in his opportunities in the game. So that was a big positive, I thought. And those guys showed you that they're going to make contributions all throughout the season, even when uh, Amon Richards comes back. I thought that other than the careless penalties that they took at times, that it was a good professional outing for the offensive line. So, you know, I know the defense didn't bring their high motor to the game. They were roughed up at times by Bethune. Yeah, it was a little embarrassing for a few moments there, you know, particularly on that opening series when Bethune went right down the field. But I don't see that as a unit that's a true concern right now. And they're going to get their great – a greater test this Saturday against Arkansas State, and then we'll we'll see what they're what they're made of. Arkansas State quarterback Justice Hansen was 46 of 68 for 415 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions on the road at Nebraska. 
five receivers caught more than five passes in that game for Arkansas State. So the secondary better come to play this week, and they better not be as soft as they were, and the D-line better come with their chin straps strapped as well because this is not an amateur outfit they're playing. No, it's not a top 20 team. They're playing in the Sun Belt, but they're a very capable football team that, like I said earlier in the show, should test the Hurricanes a little bit this weekend. And like I said, I think that's a good thing. So, you know, if you want to take a concern out of the Bethune game, I would have to say it was the play of the defensive backs. Um, But we can look for them, hopefully, to be much better this week. And then, obviously, again, next week against Florida State. And if they're not, well, maybe Miami can survive Arkansas State without their DBs playing significantly better. They will not survive Tallahassee, even with that young quarterback, if the DBs don't play better. So we'll see how that plays out. So those are my thoughts. What are yours? The number is 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And this next segment of Kane Sport Live is going to be brought to you by the startup.com, a company that was created by Canes fans that if you're not a Canes fan, you don't get to work there. I mean, what is better than this? I, 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 until I heard about the startup.com, I'd never heard of such a thing. But, uh, well, I guess there's like the big cheese in South Miami. I guess everybody there is Canes fans. But very unusual that you find a business that's founded by Canes fans where they only hire Canes fans. And uh, the startup.com is the world's first virtual incubator created by Canes fans to help Canes fans and their friends and family try to get a break in the competitive business world. And the folks at the startup.com have created a workplace without walls and an internet-based platform called the ecosystem where any current or aspiring entrepreneur can go and test their ideas, build their business plans, communicate and strategize with team members, and even forecast and manage their cash flows. The ecosystem was created to be a command center for entrepreneurs, housing a robust suite of digital tools for startups and business owners. So visit the startup.com today for a free trial. One site, one price to rule them all. The startup.com. Thank you for sponsoring this next segment of Kane Sport Live. And we're going to go back to your phone calls. Let's go out to the 754, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Going once, going twice. All right, you're going to have to call back and get back in the queue. Uh, let's go out now to the 803, where you're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, how you doing? Doing great. Who's this? This is Eddie from South Carolina. Um, hey, what's up, Just a couple Eddie? of things. Not a whole lot. Just a couple of things. Um, first of all, last week I didn't I didn't hear the the live show. I caught it afterwards, but you, you kind of started out by saying that you know Kaya was well. You didn't exactly say a lot better quarterback, but I guess more talented. But it kind of it kind of grew on me all week, and I got thinking about it. We all know Peyton Manning had a lot more talent than T. Martin. But T. Martin was better for the team. I mean, they won the national championship after he left. I actually think Rosser, I mean, Rosier is, is better for Miami than even if we had 
uh, Kaya this year. I mean, it seems to me, I mean, he, he can just do so much more. Now, as far as for the defense, it, I, I don't think it was vanilla. I mean, maybe it was, but that's not the issue with that last game. It Something was definitely wrong. I mean, in other words, um, why was Diaz mad if if you're going to blame it on the play calling? Well, he just didn't, you know, he didn't want to show anything or whatnot. Why would he be mad at the defense? Why would he chew them out? Well, because they, they should be able to play base defense with a little bit more effort and energy than they did. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. You're you're right, but if he sees they didn't, they wasn't reacting to the base defense, and and maybe they were just bored with the game. Even though that's all they said is they wanted to hit somebody else, play somebody else. Why didn't he change it up, throw a few wrinkles in, and just kind of get them into the game? I, I think I mean, he didn't want to. You know, even though he's basically running the same schemes as last year, he probably just didn't want to give. Uh, Arkansas State and Florida State, any type of feel whatsoever about how these schemes are being executed with the personnel that they're being executed with this year? That would be my guess. We'll talk to Manny about it tomorrow. And we'll have that coverage for you on canesport.com. Uh, but I'm guessing that that's what was going through his mind. Yeah, yes, sir. And just one more thing I'd like to add. I think by the middle of this season – Mark Walton is going to be a household name in college football. He's got a chance I mean, he, to be. He, he just, he it, just, yeah. you know, continuing from last year, what he done in that game, and just the moves he was making. I know people on the on the site was comparing him to, to Jim Brown and stuff, but uh, he's he's going to be really really good. Hey, Mark he Rick says he's one I'm of the best about, total football players that he's ever been around. Yeah, that like you say, that says it all. So. But, uh, I, you know, he doesn't have the great burning speed. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's not a 4-3 guy. I'm guessing 4-5, 4-6. But he's got great instincts. Yeah, I mean, Emmett Smith, you know, he wasn't a blazer either. You know, I mean, you can run him back as a different animal. You know, it's – You don't have a to long way with instincts at, the, at, at running back, no doubt about it. Right. Okay, well, just leave me on hold, please. Thanks a lot, Gary. You got it, man. Thank you for being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3633. We got plenty of lines open. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Yeah, Mark Walton, I agree with with, with the previous caller. I, I think he does have a chance to become a household name in college football. It'll be largely dependent on what he does up there in Tallahassee. Uh in, in, in a week and a half, you know, I think that's the showcase game. I think a lot of eyeballs will be on that game. And if Mark Walton can come up big in that game against Florida state's defense, uh, then I, I think that could put him on the map nationally the way he'd probably love to be. Um, but very, very, very rock solid running back. No doubt about it. All right, let's go out now to the nine, five, four. You're live on Kane sport live. Uh, Yay. Hello. Yes, sir. Yeah, Gary. I just got a couple of. Who's this? Um, couple of chickens. Um, this is Black Cane. All right, Black Cane, go. Um, one thing, um, Diaz needs to stop messing with, uh, the guys who who everybody knows who the starter is. Malik Young is a starter. It's 
I'm, you know, he says all the size and one thing, but he's just a playmaker. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about I, that? I, I agree. I think he is a playmaker, and I think you, I think you see it at times. I, I think he's the best cover guy on this team. Yeah. But right. you know, even from last he year, also, man, he just the growth. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say he also is just not real imposing physically. You know, he's, he's uh, I mean, they list him at five nine one eighty. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's 180. I, you know, I don't know. But, but you know, it would be hard. Like, let's say this weekend, Arkansas State, right? They, they ran 90 plays against against Nebraska. Let's assume they're going to run 80, 90 plays against Miami too, just because of the speed they play <laughs> at and, and all that. Jeez, okay, well, that's that's a, that's a lot of plays. It's a lot of that's plays. A exactly. lot of plays. So here's my point. You know, if you you get into a game where you got to defend 80, 90 plays. How is a kid like that supposed to hold up for 80, 90 plays? He'll get worn, you know, he'll get worn down. And then you'll get in the fourth quarter and he won't be able to cover anybody because he'll be flat tired. And, uh, you know, it's hard enough for a corner who's, you know, 6'2", 190 or 200 pounds or or something like that to hold up physically uh, over a whole game, you know, like like that. So I, I think they have to use him strategically. Uh, I, I think that what they're doing is smart. Um, I, I think the fact that Javante Dean didn't develop as quickly as they thought he yeah. would when they brought him into the program yeah. it, it is having an impact. Get, did he even get any playing time? He, he got left? a little playing time. I don't remember yes, he, yeah, he was out there. I saw oh. him out there, but but just not a ton. Like he, they, like you know, he's not he's not really ready yet. I, you know, I don't I don't think they have the feeling that he's that he's ready. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that they're having to get creative at that position. I suggested this week in one of my articles that they consider moving Sheldrick Redwine back to corner because to me, right, Sheldrick Redwine right. is not going to make an impact at safety. He, he might be a right. body that you roll out there at safety, but he's not going to make an impact exactly. at safety. And, you know, you've got because some young he, he's freshmen. Taking, he's, right. He's taking reps away from Carter, if you ask me, because Carter, well, Carter's probably not ready him. yet, but, but my, you know, my, my, but you know, he's probably just not ready yet. But you know, my feeling is like coach him up and get him ready because, you know, I I think that if you can move Redwine back to corner, it would right. fortify that position a little bit, uh, and you're not relying solely on Michael Jackson. And and you know, you're going to get into a game in a, in a few weeks, say against the Georgia Tech, where you need to be able to right. be physical out on out on the perimeter and 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 and, and do some different things. So I would consider that move i don't know if they will or won't i mean obviously that's up to the coaches right, but right. i mean just in me watching and analyzing the personnel um i you know i i just think they need one more guy out there corner and even though Redwine wasn't a great cornerback last year and probably got beat right. more than anybody in the defensive backfield um he was physical he still was physical he, he still was passable in most cases. So, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see how it, how it plays out. But, you know, I, I think when you're talking about Malik Young, he, he's the best cornerback. But I, I think it's unrealistic to expect him to be in every single down cornerback. Okay. What about um, Owens got beat, beat like a drum. They, they really exposed Owens, who was playing in front of Pitney. I'm like, Pitney is so far ahead. An explosive and just an instant impact player. 
as soon as he got in the game, it just seems like the defense, everybody, you know, he made a play in the backfield. Orange was getting exposed, man. Well, you got to remember, Pink, Pinkney, could, he could not play in the first half. So, right, right. so that's right, why right. you know they had other guys out there. I mean, Mike Smith played a lot, and and Owens played a lot. Uh, but you I mean you're not you're not wrong. I think Owens is still working his way back. I don't think he's ever been the same since he was hurt. And even though he's and, and, probably and, and, the best he's been since the injury, uh, I, don't, right. I mean I don't think he's a he's not a starter level player. I don't think. And and lastly, I think. For some reason, Malik, he's the, the quarterback, uh, Rosier Mister, he struggles throwing screen passes. He 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 throws them in back of all of us. He burials. Uh, oh, my guy, Thomas, if he throws that in front of them guys and let them run to the ball, those guys, they're pretty good on those screen passes. He was struggling with that, throwing them in back of back of them. I was like, wow, that's an easy show, but I guess I don't know. Not 100% polished, no question about it. But, he, you know, for his first start he did pre- of the year, he, he did pretty darn well. Yeah, he did good. He did good. He did good. So I'm looking forward to the season, and I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for taking my call. All right, anytime. Give us a call next week. All right, 563-999-3633 is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Got a pretty wide open board. I got a couple guys in the queue right now, but uh, pretty wide open board. So don't be bashful, guys. We're only 45 minutes into the show. So um, got plenty of room. Let's hear from some first-time callers tonight. I want to hear from some new voices who have not called the show before. I want you to step up. Don't be shy and uh, come give us some of your opinions. Let's go out now to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How are you this evening? Doing great. Who's this? Adam. Hey, what's up, Adam? How you doing this week? Good. Um, a couple questions. One, there hasn't been any discussion of canceling the game due to Irma, is there? Don't think so. No, I touched on it earlier. Oh, okay. I mean, there's really no reason that you would, you know, that you would cancel the game. Oh, okay. No, I didn't know. I mean, Miami may just have to. Back. I think they may have to leave early. You know, I mean, maybe they'll leave Thursday instead of Friday. Uh, okay, because I know they canceled the Dolphins game today, so I didn't know if that was going to affect anything. Well, the the storm's going to be here on Sunday morning. Like, how yeah. are you going to have the Dolphin game? Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, he, even no. if it's not a direct hit, it's going to be wreaking yeah. all kinds of havoc and rain and winds and everything else. Yeah, you can't play that game. Yeah, but, but I was thinking just having the Kings get back from Tennessee or Arkansas. Well, they may not come back oh. on, on, right after the game. They oh, may okay. stay there for a day or two, or they might yeah. stay there all week, depending on what happens yeah. with the storm. Yeah. Um, also, I feel like this week's Arkansas State game has, like, the feel of last year's App State game, that we're going to a smaller team, which, from what I've been told, Arkansas State played Nebraska right down to the end. Yeah. A lot further towards the uh, end than, than Nebraska was counting on, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, also, um, do you see, like, and, again, this goes back, like Malik Rozier has the same size of, like, a Ryan Collins did, like that type of speed, a quarterback? I would say he's a little better than what Ryan Collins was. Uh, okay. 
And um, what happened last week, um, again, I only saw the highlights. It seemed like Dee Delaney was getting picked on a lot during the game. What happened there? <laughs> I think they started having success throwing his way. He was soft in coverage, and they kept going back there. And then they got him a little rattled and tired, I think. Oh, okay. Um, and a couple uh, quick uh Recruiting notes. Um, I heard a rumor that Nesta Silva was like decommitting or thinking about decommitting. What's going on there? I've been hearing that rumor for months, and it, ha- it hasn't oh, okay. happened yet. You know, I don't know if it will or will not. I, I, I you know, I, I think he's got a lot of people coming at him. You know, I, uh, I think that with kids like that, that sometimes you got to fight all the way down to the end. You know. Um, He's a a defensive lineman, a big kid, uh, uh, a guy, the kind of guy that that a lot of people need. And I think he's got a lot of schools in his ear. And, uh, you know, I think that's the deal. Now, is he going to decommit? So far, he says no. So he's been telling us that he's he's solidly committed. But I have heard those whispers. I've heard that he has been speaking to other coaches at other schools. Mm-hmm. You know, from there, we'll just have to see what happens. And um, are, do you know if we're pursuing Andrew Chatfield? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Because he looked good in the last Heritage game. And I, him and also, um, you don't know if we're also pursuing Nick Benito out of Aquinas? Uh, not that we know of at the moment. I mean, all the, all the, uh, all that obviously can change as as the season goes on. I mean, there will be new guys that will pop onto the radar based on their performances as as, as seniors. Uh, okay. And um, real quick, on that side of the ball, are we still pursuing Nigel Bethel the second? Or... I think there, there's still communication there. I think it's kind of cooled a little bit. We'll see. You uh, know, okay. We'll, we'll just have to see. I mean, we haven't totally – Totally eliminated him in uh, in our mind from what based on what we're seeing. I think he's kind of like I'd probably put him in the maybe category based on our perception yeah. of what's been going on there. But we'll see. Uh, okay. Um, and um, how do you think? I mean, obviously last week um, the pass defense was very vanilla, but apparently. Like Arkansas State likes to throw the ball around. I think their quarterback had what 68 attempts last week. Yeah, they um, throw it a lot, you, almost every play. How do you think our pass defense would hold up against that? Because again, it was very vanilla. And well, I, I think you're going to see a lot more pass rush this week than what you saw last week. I think that's going to help things <laughs> in the secondary. Um, but though, let's let's face it; those guys are under the gun. Like they didn't play well the other day against a, a team that's a pretty average team, and mm-hmm. and a, a you know obviously a team that's not you know uh, anyone that it, that most people are going to take seriously in Bethune Cookman, and they were roughed up out there. So yeah. they're under the gun this week. They got to play better, no doubt about it. Uh, okay. Well, um, that's about everything I have. Hopefully we can go 2-0. and And who knows how good this true freshman quarterback for FSU is. I think that it's lucky we don't have to face Francois. 
Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it, you, you think that on the surface, but I, I, I think yeah. Jimbo's got time now to prepare this kid, and, and I'm sure he'll come up with packages that the kid can execute. Uh, the word that I got from up there was they felt like he handled himself relatively well uh, when they scrimmaged that, you know, well enough <laughs> to where as a true freshman they made him the number two quarterback. Uh, he practiced all fall against their number yeah. one defense, which is, a, I don't know if you watched the Alabama game, no, uh, pretty darn good defense. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they they certainly didn't look bad in that game against yeah. uh, uh, obviously a quality Alabama team. So yeah. you know they feel this kid can do some things now. You know, is he does he figure to be as dangerous as Francois, who had that whole season of experience uh, mm-hmm. on the surface? Probably not. But you know, I'm sure Jimbo, being the quality of coach that he yeah. is, is going to find plays that he can call for this kid and mm-hmm. uh you know i think it's gonna be a real good football game i think what it was what it really did yeah i would say is it it equalized things because you know now yeah. they're in the same boat at quarterback really as miami kind of is yeah and even though rozier had the start under his belt at duke a couple years ago but yeah you're right So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, hopefully we can go in 2-0 and and hopefully we can finally win, beat FSU. I'm getting sick and tired of this losing streak. You and everybody else. Boy, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you know, it, it was looking like it was. it's going to go another year. I mean, let's face it, Miami will be an underdog yeah. going up there, but – but uh, man, if it actually really, really, really does play out that way, and 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 they get yet another notch on their belt, wow! Yeah, yeah, and it can only help in recruiting as well. Well, um, thanks again for taking the time, Gary. Have a great rest of the show. Okay. Um, thanks for calling in. Okay. Bye. All right, it's 563-999-3633, I'm going to go out to our partner in crime now at canesport.com, Matt Shodell, who's uh, gracing us with his appearance tonight on the show. And, uh, Matt, how you doing? Pleasure to be here. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. We usually give you uh, Tuesday nights off, but... um, Thought we'd have you on for a few tonight and um, give us your your feeling on how the Hurricanes uh, did this week. I mean, I thought they did probably a little better than I thought they did, they would have done on offense. Although it's hard to tell against Bethune and, and a little worse than I would have thought um, on defense, especially a lot worse in the secondary. Uh, I don't really blame the front seven like some people might be for you know the one sack and the seven tackles for losses, just because Bethune came into the game knowing that they were gonna have no time to throw. So if you if you take a look, I, I didn't count them but i gotta think 80 percent of those passes were just you know three steps and throw you know real quick stuff um and i think that was a big a big reason and and, a, and also something that um frustrated the defensive lineman a big reason why there weren't more sacks and, and those sorts of things up front i just i didn't it, it didn't look to me like those defensive guys were into it at all like you know they they just they just came out and and 
you didn't see a lot of penetration early, and Bethune started hitting plays. Then I, I, I saw Kendrick Norton start to dial it up a little bit and start penetrating into the backfield. Now, to me, McIntosh did hardly anything the whole day. I don't know what, you know, I, I wouldn't have even known he was out there. I don't I'd have to look at the stats and see how many tackles he had. But, you know, he certainly wasn't as active as Norton was. And, um, Joe Jackson kept getting through and was closing in on the quarterback and the ball would be gone already. So, you know, he probably got a little frustrated. And then there was that one play early where he got caught inside and they ran outside of him. Um, Chad Thomas looked like he tried to amp it up, but they just in general, the linebackers made some plays that they just in general to me looked like they just, their hearts just weren't out into that game. Well, if that's the case, then that's scary because they've been playing against each other since the end of last year. And <laughs> If you're not pumped up for the first game of the year, I don't care if you're playing a high school team. I mean, there's something not right. You should love the game of football. Um, you should be extra amped up to finally get back on that field. You would have expected these guys to be, you know, really getting after it more so than usual, regardless of the opponent. Um, so if that's the case, it's disheartening. You know, I'm not sure that I would agree. I just think that they were very vanilla on both sides of the ball, and I think that players maybe um, felt like they were being shackled a little bit in terms of things that they practiced, um, you know, maybe that could have been a reason why you get the sense that they weren't, you know, gung-ho, like, you know, I don't know how you describe them, you know, like um, like just going crazy out there, you know, like they usually do pounding their chest and running around like lunatics. Um, you know, maybe it was somewhat that, but, you know, there's, there's no real rhyme or reason to me for – for why they wouldn't have been amped up. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I agree with that either. I mean, I did think that they were trying hard, playing hard. I just think that they were playing vanilla, and I think Bethune had a, a pretty good game plan for a team like Bethune to sort of just get a few yards here, get a few yards there, break a you know big gainer here, and really wear down Miami a little bit in the secondary where they're very thin. You know, the offense seemed into it. I, I didn't get I didn't get the feeling that they were suffering from the same disease as the defense. I, I thought the line was playing really hard. You see Navon Donaldson 15 yards downfield blowing up people. I thought the Walton and, and, and Travis Homer ran really hard. Uh, the receivers played well. So uh, the offense clearly had the type of mindset that you were just talking about. I, just for some reason, I don't think the defense did. And I'm sure Manny Diaz had uh, quite a bit to say about, about that in the last couple of days. Yeah. I mean, Joe Jackson said he lit into them a little bit. Uh, that's what Joe said after practice today. And I'm sure <laughs> Manny wasn't too happy. Um, you know, I mean, you're not going to get to wear that turnover chain and, and carry around that. I don't know what they call it, that mallet that they have with the U on it. Uh, you know, if you're not making plays. So uh, again, it, I, I don't, I don't think it was lack of effort. I think it was a lack of plays. Um, I think if the defense had made some plays, everyone would be talking about, oh, you know, they were so fired up, they they look so great. But there just weren't a lot of plays to be made when the other team's, you know, either running the ball or throwing quick passes. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you make a tackle after a three-yard gain, um, you know, you're not going to jump up and down celebrating, and, and people aren't going to say, oh, what a great play. I don't think it was a lack of effort, personally. I just think it was a scheme issue and that they were playing vanilla. Um, I, I just think it was sort of a, a combination of both with a, a lesser talented team that knew was not as talented and just tried to sort of do what it could to lessen the damage at the end of the day, and they certainly did that at Bethune, which is uh, you know good for their coaching staff. They could throw whatever they want at Miami, but Miami could not do the reverse because Miami's got to hold a lot of stuff back that they want to do for um, upcoming opponents. Well, you know, your most hardcore Canes fans, I think, are a little concerned about the defensive backfield. Uh, I don't think there's any question that they were 
made to look a little silly out there at times on Saturday. There was that one series in the second quarter where D Delaney was a particular target on three, four, five consecutive plays. And uh, they just kept going at him. And he, he, he must clearly seemed like he was a little rattled at one point. They even took him out of the game. Uh, maybe he needed a, bl- a blow and was tired or, or, or whatever. Um, I expect D Delaney to play a lot better than that as the year goes on. I don't know what the reason was for his struggles the other day, but are you concerned at all about the defensive backfield with, uh, especially with a game coming up like this weekend where the, this team's going to probably throw 60 times? Oh yeah. I'm very concerned about the secondary, completely concerned about the secondary. Uh, I'm not as concerned about D Delaney. Uh, Mark Rick addressed it a little today. I think the coaching staff feels very strongly that D. Delaney is by far their best cornerback, and they felt like they didn't need to rest him. And I think that caught up to him a little bit because the other team was running a fast offense. They did run more plays in Miami. There was not a lot of breathers to be had. And they were sort of running him ragged, and he sort of lost his legs. He sort of lost his technique at one point, and they did finally give him a rest when they realized, you know, he just <laughs> – he'd had it. Um, so, you know, he, he's a guy who – who I guess they figured was in better shape than he was maybe, or whatever the case was, that's sort of what I think happened to him. I don't think it's an issue with skill or with physicality with him at all. I think he's a tremendous player, and I think he'll be just fine as long as they realize they do plan to sub for him a little bit here and there. Um, but yeah, this, this well, if, he wore, is, if he wore down the other day, Matt, he's going to really wear down this Saturday. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They got they, they realize, I think they realize they need to sub him. You know, He's not like one of these guys who you can just keep out there the entire game. Uh, and they don't, they don't do that with defensive linemen. They don't do it with linebackers. Um, I think sometimes they feel because these these safeties and cornerbacks are a little bit smaller that they're you know that they're better conditioned that they can stay in the entire game and I'm just not sure that that's always the case especially a guy like D who's not a small guy I mean he's a heavier cornerback um, and, and it's a little tougher you know if you're light on your feet you're sort of a, a thinner guy up top it's a lot easier to run all day long he's not like one of those cross country guys you know he's sort of built like a freight train in a cornerback body um, so I think that that's a little tougher for him to play the entire game. Um, but, yeah, as far as the secondary, this is a team that passed, I think, 68 times, completed, I think, 47. I mean, they lit up Nebraska. The the thing they're going to do, and, and this is what's really interesting to me, i, I got to think that Miami is well aware that Arkansas State is going to try to do the same quick passing game that Bethune did, which is sort of what they did against Nebraska as well, keep the defensive linemen uh, from getting penetration by getting the ball out quick. And the way you counter that is you move your cornerbacks up. Uh, on the line, you know, which Miami did not do against Bethune. They were playing off the ball, giving up a lot of grass. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see if, if many Diaz and, and Mike Rumpf and, and Coach Banda, if they're comfortable enough with their secondary players to actually do that. Because when you do that, you're running the risk of giving up a very big play. Um, but if you don't do that, you can get pecked to death, which, you know, which you saw Bethune do to some extent. So that's going to really be interesting to see because you know they're going to come out, and that's going to be their game plan. Arkansas State's going to try to stop the run when Miami has the ball, and then try to peck them to death on defense with just quick little throws, quick little hitters, and, and, and the running game. So we'll see how they adjust. Um, if you see those guys up on the line of scrimmage, that'll be a good sign that they're confident in their cornerbacks. If you see those cornerbacks giving up, you know, five yards off the line of scrimmage um, or more, you know, then that's a pretty good sign that Miami's going to say, listen, you can take your three, four, or five yards. Uh, we're not trusting these guys um, to the extent that you can beat them deep. So we'll see what happens on on Saturday. Yeah, you know, I said at the beginning of the show that I, I and, and I agree the game's going to play out just how you just said, and, and I said at the beginning of the show that I think it's great. You know, I think that Florida State, by playing Alabama week one, picked up an advantage on Miami 
And, you know, I, I think that playing a game like that makes a football team better and it makes the young players on that team better. And, and so, you know, I felt that Florida State, by doing so, was better positioned for this week three game against Miami. And, and uh, I think it would be a good thing for the Hurricanes to be tested on Saturday. I don't know if Arkansas State's going to, at the end of the day, be good enough or not. Uh, I know that they're a representative team, that they're, you know, this is not a horrible football program. It's one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. I mean, obviously Miami should have more athletes, but uh, I think it would be great if they do get tested to the max and, and that Arkansas State's offense, you know, can push the Miami defense because I think that'll help them get ready for Florida State. I mean, I, you know, they're just not, the, they're not the same. I mean, you can't, you know, Alabama is a whole different animal, obviously. No, but they're better than Bethune. I know you're not saying that. Yeah, but they're still not. I mean, Miami's favored by two touchdowns, you know. Uh, I, it's but a that's step not up a lot when you're playing a Sun Belt team. That's not a lot of points. I mean, it's a step up from Bethune, but it's still not, you know, even a mid-level ACC team to me. So, you know, I just don't see them really having – they're not going to have been tested. And I'm not sure it's a good thing. It's a double-edged sword. You know, yes, it's good. I think you get better playing better playing against better competition. Just the same way you get better if you have somebody better that you're chasing as a starter. Just the same way as you get better, um, you know, if if you have better teammates around you, they're going to make you better. Um, but at the same time, Florida State had to show a heck of a lot of of what they're about, and also got beat up physically, obviously, uh, in that opener. So, which would you rather? I personally would rather be Miami, going to the game healthy. Um, you know, going to the game, having two games worth of film where you can correct things, where you've had one away game already, um, so that the young kids are used to the away game atmosphere and, and they sort of know what it's about. Obviously, it'll be at a whole different level um, in Tallahassee. But I'd rather the path Miami has where, you know, it's an easy first game, a, a, a little bit tougher second game, and then, a you know, extremely difficult, possibly the toughest game of the year, a third game, uh, versus having a that, that really, really tough game first and another really really tough game third I just don't I don't like that and I I think if Florida State had their druthers they would have done it the way Miami did it and they still have a healthy quarterback if they did well the good thing for FSU is they had this week here to you know with a uh, patsy opponent to kind of recover from that first game so um, I agree you wouldn't want to do it on consecutive weeks necessarily Miami certainly learned that lesson last year when they had to go through the gauntlet and uh, didn't hold up but uh, I don't know, man. I'm like an old crusty horse trainer over here who likes to, you know, I want to get that blazing workout in before I put my horse out there for the Kentucky Derby, you know, but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess you could look at it both ways, <laughs> but uh, well, Matt, you know, thanks for stopping by and uh, thanks for, for being part of the show. And uh, we'll have you back again down the road. Yeah. I always try to be the first caller, but somehow some other guy always beats me. I don't know what happened. Oh my God. Greg, man. Yeah. Greg's the best though. He's, he's a really good Greg guy. Actually, I, I, I just hang up after Greg, after Greg beats me, I just hang up and that's it. I just listen. You get, you get, you give up. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well. All right. All right. Well, thank, thank, thanks for being good part deal. of the show. <laughs> All right, guys. Five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three, five, six, three, nine, 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 three, six, three, three. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. We have many spots on the board, so I encourage you now to speak up and jump in. Um, Otherwise, we're going to have a short show tonight because I think a lot of people are out getting ready for the hurricane and are, um, you know, at Home Depot. But uh, so 563-999-3633, hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out to the 318. You're live on Kane's Live. What's going on, Gary? This is Kane again. 
Who's this? You got to talk into. You got to talk into your phone. We can't hear you. Port City Kane, how are you, man? Okay, can you hear me? You can hear me now. A little better. Can you hear me now? Yeah, okay, just try talking into the speaker. Yeah, uh, yeah, but this is Port City Kane, and uh, you know I watched the game on uh, Saturday, and I was thoroughly impressed with Navon Donaldson, and I mean, I'm wondering, do you think that Navon Donaldson may have been a five-star recruit instead of a four-star recruit? No, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I mean. The, the kid's very impressive, and I get to see all the linemen, and there's some good ones out there, and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the handful of offensive linemen who, who make the five-star. Remember now, I, I always tell you guys this, there's only 25 or 30 five-star players every year across all positions, so you're really getting the elite of the elite when you talk about five-stars, uh, but watching Navon Donaldson, the way he's coming to the program, the way he's claimed the starting job, and the way he he's playing so far, I would have to agree with you. Yeah, because you know the one thing Gary is, I think that he still has a chance if he keeps on playing like he played Saturday versus some impressive competition, he has a chance to be a freshman all conference player. Do you think so? Oh, there's no question. I think he's almost a lock if he stays healthy the whole year. Yeah, and I mean, and you remember when we got Chantrell Henderson, it was a whole lot of hype, but it wasn't a whole lot of work. But when you look at this guy, it seemed like this guy, his 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 work speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. You don't have to you don't have to say anything else to it. Just put the film on, and I think it was a it was a very intelligent thing for the coaches to put him at guard. Because to put him at guard and then it looks like when you see him pulling like that, that he definitely has the athleticism to be kicked out to tackle. But I think in his development process, it was very important and very strategic that they started him at guard and then moved him out to tackle. Don't you think that, Gary? Yeah, I'm not convinced he'll ever move out to tackle. He might, but they don't have to move him out there. You know, it'll depend on, on how recruiting goes as the the seasons go forward but i don't i don't i don't think he has to go back out to tackle i think i think that he might be best at guard where you can utilize that athleticism pulling and doing things the way he did the other day what, and, and and another thing were you surprised by Darren Langham yeah you know just because he was he was so buried for so long and you know i always wondered like why can't this guy get playing time like I, I know he doesn't have great speed but he's such a, a freakish mishmash with his size and I, I was always wondering like like I can't believe there's not a role for this kid but uh, I'm glad that he had a great spring and I think he earned the trust of, of the coaches with the spring practice that he had and he's continued it in the fall and um, you saw that Mark Rick's not afraid to put him out there. Now, I think his opportunities will get decreased once Amon Richards comes back. But, you know, he still showed you that you could put him out there, especially when he's in mismatches against smaller corners, and he can do some things. Yeah, and, and another thing is, I think maybe Darren Langham, Langham problem was that we always look for a mean streak in alignment, but a a wide receiver got to have a mean streak too. And some of the time when you look at him, he just doesn't have maybe that enough of a mean streak in him 
to uh, to maybe make those plays that he needs to make that'll get him on the field. Because if you got a big body like that, it really don't do nothing but help you in the screen game. It helps you a whole lot in the screen game because when you get a smaller guy out there or get somebody out there like the, the freshman from St. Thomas Aquinas that we got, uh, he looked real good too. He looked real, real good when he caught that ball on third down and he made that move almost instinctively. But if you get a big guy like that out there in that screen game, that's what old big receivers help you. Am I right about uh, that, uh, Gary? You're 100% right about that. I, everybody keeps wanting to argue with me on the message boards about that subject, but uh, there, there is no question that you're right about that. Yeah, because you get them big. But I'm going to tell you, that, that uh, number, I mean, when he caught that ball, he just instinctively moved, and it seemed like he has, uh, he plays fast. You know, he doesn't yeah. just run fast, but he plays fast. And when you play fast, then with that kind of speed, then once you get an opening, you can make a whole lot of X plays. You know, and I was impressed uh, with just, the, just like you said, with the offensive line. Our offensive line this year looks, uh, looks like light years ahead of what we had last year. Because if that offensive line, I know we have depth issues, but if that offensive line stays healthy, the sky's the limit for the team because I think that another thing will help out our secondary is if we possess the ball. We need to possess the ball. And I was impressed by Travis Homer because I had concerns with him about ball security. But once I seen him running hard and he wasn't running like he was conscious of fumbling the ball, I mean, Travis Homer could have a real breakout year too. No doubt. I mean, he – he ran great the other day. Now the competition's going to get a little stiffer. The holes aren't going to be as big at the line of scrimmage as they were against Bethune the other day. So, you know, it, it won't be as easy for him. But I thought there was a great first step for him to show up and play a complete ball game the way he did. I totally agree with you. Oh, that's safety, number five, our, uh, our freshman. Do you see him Mark get Carter? more playing time? Yeah, Yamari Carter. Do you see him getting more t- more playing time as we go yeah. into the season? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's tough for a true freshman. I'm sure they're a little scared to just throw him out there. But he's got so much of what you want. He's got the physicality. He's got the mean streak. Yeah. Uh, and right now, I, I'm just not sold on what's going on at the safety position. I like Jaquan Johnson as a football player. I personally don't look at him as an every-down safety Uh I, I, you know, I don't think he brings a, you know, that type of physical presence uh, at all. I, I like him much better in the role he played last year, uh, in the, more of the nickel role and things like that. But you know, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but I think when you look at Amari Carter, uh, and to a, a little uh, lesser degree uh, right now, but but maybe long term uh, can be just as effective. Um, the, the freshman Smith, uh, you know, I, I think I think that 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 they're heading in the right direction at safety. I just think that they're going to need to get something out of those kids this year. I think they are because I don't think Red Wine is going to do it. I think I think that uh, Red Wine, but when Amari Carter come in there, he's a thumper. And then being a thumper, I think just like you said on the scouting report, it's going to be all about how he plays in pass coverage. If he becomes yeah, right. more dependable in, in, in pass coverage, yeah. Redwine to me is, 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 is Redwine to me is plugging a spot. He's plugging that yeah. spot until they have a better option. 
I would put him back at corner. I I would use him as a corner, let him fortify the corner position. He played it all last year. Like I said earlier, I know he got beat at times, but I would move him back to corner and I would play Carter more at safety once Carter's ready. And he might just not be ready yet. He might, yeah, I know he might, he might just not be ready. But you know, so you saying, but do you think? And I, I finally got his name. You think Harley is gonna be? You gonna see him playing more now? Harley, yeah. is a freshman at receiver. Yeah, okay. I do. Man, he I, good. I do. I, I, I think that there's that he's got to be used situationally. To me, like you, I, I mentioned this on the message boards. There was a third down play early in the game where Rozier threw it out to the perimeter. And his ball was uh, uh, just a shade high for Harley, and it ricocheted off Harley's hands and went incomplete. Now, any of those other receivers, Langham, mm-hmm. Richards, Cager, that same exact ball would have been right in their wheelhouse and probably would have been caught. So, you know, I, I think having a, a small target like that out wide on the perimeter can be a little bit problematic. Uh, I, I think Mark Rick's trying to scheme with Harley and use him on plays like the one you mentioned a few minutes ago where they got him, they got him the ball out there in space where he could, you know, run and do some things. Um, But I think it's going to be hard to make that a staple of the offense. We'll see, you know, maybe, maybe it will be, maybe he'll catch 50 balls this year. But uh, I I mean, me, I, I think that the bigger receivers have a greater opportunity out on the, on the outside to make a bigger impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, and, I, and and for Jeff, from looking at it, the first game, just like everybody was saying, it's kind of vanilla situation that was going on there. And I think that maybe a, if just say if they don't score thirteen, but they score three, you know, even though you have those problems in the yeah, you had those problems, you had those problems in the uh, in the secondary. Uh, everything, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah, cool. Everything, yeah, everything will be all right, and uh, you know, and we'll be just, you know, everything will be okay. But as a whole, when you looked around college football as a whole, secondaries had a lot of blown assignments. They first, I mean, whether oh it my didn't god, did you, watch, did you watch? There was a whole bunch of blown assignments. Did you watch that Tennessee game last night? Oh I my god! I mean, it yeah. was it, it was scary watching that game. Yeah. Yeah, you don't realize. Yeah, you don't, Gary. We don't realize how much synchronization it is it takes for a secondary, and how important it is for them to be synchronized because their synchronization is just as important as the offensive line. Because when the offensive line don't, when one guy miss a block, hey, the quarterback can get decapitated, or the running back can get decapitated, and if one guy in the secondary miss a miss an assignment. It's an easy, easy, breezy touchdown. Yep, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But hey, what else you got for us tonight, hey, City? I ain't got oh, just one more thing. Oh, is is Patrick Sertain? How how we doing with Patrick? I mean, I know it's a long shot. How we doing with Patrick Sertain? And how we doing with the other cornerback that's from uh from uh, Plantation? I, I, I think um, they're doing a better better job with Tyson than they are with, um, mm-hmm. with Sertain. I, you know, I, I think that they're hanging in there. They're not out of it by any stretch of the imagination, but I, there's never been a sense that he's going to end up picking Miami. You know, we'll see. I mean, he, you know, the kid insists that he hasn't ruled it out. 
that he kind of likes the idea of playing home you know, in front of his mom and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I would call that one a long shot. But uh, Tyson Campbell, no, no, I think but, they, got a, they got a decent shot at. Yeah. And I'm going to let you go. But if he wants to come, they're going to make sure they have a slot for him, right? Oh, there's no question. Yeah, they're not turning down either one of those kids. No doubt. <laughs> But hey, man, I want you to have a blessed night, and I call you uh, call you next week. Give us a call next week. Yeah, thanks for being part of the show. All right, five six three nine 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 three six three three is the number. Hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And um, let's go out now to the nine seven three. You're live on Team Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's going on? Doing good. Who's this? It's Ross, New Jersey. Hey, what's up, Ross? How are you? What's going on, man? Part of your problem, I think, is going on tonight. For some reason, when the show started, I called in. Wouldn't go through. I don't, I don't know if anybody else had that situation. Oh, took really? me about 15. Yeah, took me about 15 oh, there's minutes. Oh, there's some phone, phone issues? Yeah, called the Iowa number 10 minutes. I had to jump to my table real quick. Huh. Only, just, to, just to listen so I don't miss no points and then read because I do it for my phone. So I had to jump to my my table, connect it real quick, go ahead and listen to the phone went through. And once the phone went through, I closed that closed that down and got right to it. Um, listen, but you were so you were able to eventually get get you did eventually obviously get through. So that's yeah, good. and I think it's what, but what yeah, maybe maybe some people are having a hard time getting getting on the on, yeah, and on they the, get frustrated. And um, so I was gonna yeah. tell them if, they, if that's the case, they go ahead and call back. Gary, yeah. a couple people making some good points. Um, give me a minute, man. Um, I probably you probably should allow me to call back in twice because. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, we, you're um, good. Go ahead. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Um, um, I'm gonna jump around a little bit, and it's only because I'm doing this because I don't want to forget one of my points. Let me ask you a question. That 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 clipping call on Darlin. Let me ask your expert's opinion. Is that him being lazy? Because here's the thing. I watched that play over and over again purposely because those are the things that, as Kane fans, you don't like to see mistakes like that or we've had too many of those that happened to us last year. If you look at the play, if you can remember the play, he didn't have to leave his feet and try to um, take the man out off his feet. He should have just power blocked the guy and kept going. I felt like it was a lazy play by him. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think that's been the knock on him. You know, he has lapses like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes he plays well and gives you what you want. And sometimes he has lapses. And uh, obviously at this stage of his career, you're hoping for more consistency. I think he, at least the other night, I think he did give you a little bit better consistency. But you still get those plays where you just shake your head. And I think the one you're talking about was one of them. Yeah, I looked at it and I said, wait a minute. You know, when they make the call – while the game is going on, you know that the game is going to get repeated. I'm taping the game also, so I can always go back and watch it. And when I went back and watched it at my disposal, when I could rewind forward, I said, this this kid is being lazy, man. He All he had to do was stay upright, power the guy, push him out the way, and and that wouldn't have been called. So, and, you know, that's just one thing. A couple other things. Um, you know, let's get right to where everybody's talking about the key points as far as the defensive back, the Lynn. I think what happened with him is, like you said, he, he got a couple out of position a little bit, and they started picking on him. And I, I think 
to be honest with you, you know, we don't want you have to go see those guys during the week and interview them and talk to them. So I don't want you to say too much about criticizing them. They was going vanilla and not showing much. You don't want to be doing that to a team that knows they can't stay back there and throw the ball. They want to make quick passes. You can't have your guys not ready. And the mindset of those guys have to be ready too. So I understand that you, you made a couple of excuses for them, but I think what got people nervous and concerned is that it was one of the times, Dan, if you remember, he slipped. He slipped, and one of our defensive back guys tipped the ball. Otherwise, that's a touchdown. Otherwise, yeah, I wasn't making excuses, Ross, by any stretch of the imagination. I, uh, I come from the school that, you know, it's your season opener. You've been doing nothing but practicing against yourself for nine months. It doesn't matter that it's just Bethune-Cookman. Now, I could see where some guys out there were, you know, in self-preservation mode and wanted to make sure they didn't get hurt and stuff like that. But uh, Well, that's nonsense, I, then. They can't play that well, way. Well, it shows. It shows in the quality of your play when, you, when, you, when, you, when your mindset's <laughs> like that. And here's an here's another angle to look at too. This is mine. I don't know if anybody can share it, but all summer, all training camp, the media, not blaming the media, but been saying how they ask questions towards the defense being good, the defense being good. And I think a lot of those guys heard that. Plus, maybe like you said with the game plan, which I blame on the coach. I'm not here to blame him. I'm just saying, don't have a vanilla approach stepping on that field at all. Never. I don't care who you're playing. If you look at what Penn State and all those guys did, they shut those guys down. And I don't care if you you go on vanilla. It's a way you still got to come out and play. And I think all summer the defense been hearing how good they are, good they are, good they are. But on top yep. of maybe the game plan going in, quarter made us look bad. Because if you be to be honest with you on offense, we did some really good things. Remember that we look we look better on offense than we looked on defense, and I think we were satisfied stands certain things how they look compared to. And I think what got everybody nervous and scared is how the defense looked. And to be honest with you, I went and watched the whole game, the Nebraska game. I taped that so I could I don't miss it, and I watched the Nebraska game. They do quick itches. He so we might not have a pass rush. In that game, and don't forget, we're on the road, which the crowd is going to be in the game. All kind of nonsense is going to be going on, and they do real quick itches. They do real. He gets rid of the ball within three seconds, so they're going to definitely test our corners in the, in that game at three thirty. It's it's a game. Yeah, man. The um, match Shadell and I were just arguing about this a minute ago. I think it's great. I, I think the tougher test Miami gets Saturday, the better. Put yeah, those cornerbacks. You know, put them through when the, he was through talking, the yeah. ringer. Gary, when he was talking, I wish I could have got right on that conversation because, and I'm sure other people thought the same way, he was saying, I, I don't mind having easy games, but I do want to have a couple of tests to go, when it's time to go for Florida State, man. Because, listen, it's never a good situation when you're going there not sure about, still still not sure about a few guys, and now you got to go in Tallahassee and face that. Remember, yeah, I agree. You know, Ross, I think it's one thing if it's the season opener, uh, you know, for mm-hmm. both teams, and neither team has is, has been hardened. But I just believe that with, I, I thought that Florida State, starting with Alabama and going through that game, gave them a big a big um, advantage over Miami, who's starting out with Bethune Cookman, and and fully, fully agree. You know, I don't obviously Arkansas State is nothing like what Miami's going to see against Florida State, but I think it, if they could just if they could put pressure on the defense, I think that's a good thing. Their, that defense 
well, they still got to play a game and maybe a guy or two might get nicked up. But a lot of those guys might be out the game after the first quarter anyway because they're looking to steamroll that second team that they're playing. If they're probably mad right now, they're going to steamroll them. So my point is nobody on that defense got hurt. And that man that they're trying to say is the best player in the game, he's coming. If you remember him last year when we played him in our, in our stadium, he was running around, even though he was hurt, he was running around talking to every defensive guy, the kid Jackson. He was in everybody's face. He loves putting a whipping on us or trying to beat us at least, and I want to put a whipping on him when we go in his house. I want to take him out of his face. I want to take him out of his comfort zone. I want him to feel like that. This is a struggle. So my thing is, man, we got to be prepared. Every time we touch the field, we have to look to dominate the opponent, and we better be ready to dominate Arkansas State or we're going to be for a rude awakening. Yeah, I'll be surprised game. if they don't show up better this week. I, I, I think when they turn on the tape and watch Arkansas State going into Nebraska and giving them fits the way they did, I think that'll get these guys' attention. I think they're going to come out a lot more motivated and a lot more into it uh, this weekend. And on offense, we can't be stupid either because they got good DNs. They got, they got an NFL-caliber type guy that everybody talks about at the defensive end position and a linebacker that go all day. So, you know, not to make too much of it, but, you know, I want to win the, I want to win the game, but we better not go into the odds. So a couple more things, a couple more things. I made a point. I made a point, Gary. Um, right after the game, I usually call into the post-state show, and they kind of made fun of me a little bit because I mentioned that the field to me, Gary, because if I'm not mistaken, they made a change. They picked up the turf, and they changed it after one of the NFL games because it's the same field we play on. It was terrible. And I still hold that. I'm not trying to be funny. I still hold that feeling that, we do have the worst field right now in the ACC. If you really? look at that turf, Gary, yeah, it don't look good. We really do. I and if you look at all I, the I didn't games, walk away with that. And then yeah, next a lot time of I go guys, there, I'll, 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 I'll give it a more critical look, but I didn't. Yeah, a lot of guys slip and, they slip and slide on that turf. And they, I don't, did you hear that they made a change? They, they well, actually they, You know what? The they had a concert there the other night. Maybe, the, no, maybe that happened. No, 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 it wasn't that. They made the change after. Do a little bit, little bit of research with some of your guys. They made a change right after one of the NFL games because I forgot who the Dolphins was playing. They were slipping and sliding all over the field. And they oh, made, really? They put out the report. Yeah, I read because I, I always go back. I live in Jersey, but I always go back and I read different things that's going on over there. Just, you know, you get the um, Bleachers report and stuff like that. And they said they had to lift the field up and they put a brand new one down. So that's, you know, I just, I'm, I'm not comfortable you know, we have fast guys and guys that need to go when they catch the ball or whatever. I, we should be playing on a better field. The, the stadium is beautiful, but we should be playing well, on a better field. You know, the, the way they do it these days is they grow the grass out on the farm and then they cut it they cut it and roll it up and, and then bring it in and, and, and transplant it. And I guess sometimes maybe you just you don't get a good lot. I mean, they had to tear up the practice field at Miami. A few weeks ago. Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying some of these other guys feel they feel turf look beautiful. It looks better. Look at okay, yeah, I don't know. Look, look at the Florida look at the Florida State game um the other day and the Michigan game. It's the same type of feel. Why can't I feel look that way? Why can't yeah, I, I don't feel know. Look the like only that? thing I feel confident about is that if there's something wrong with the field, Stephen Ross will replace it. That's all I feel confident about. Well, that's good because you know um. Uh, I, we need that because we play on the same field. But anyway, let's not let's not stress that. A um, couple more other things. Um, and then I'm gonna get off because I know other people, you know, trying to call. Um, my co- a concern of mine, you know, if you think about it, is when we when we line up on defense. Um, even though we are showing vanilla, I still think you have to put the D backs 
in some man-to-man where they're they're bumping them and taking them off the ball because they they do a lot of bubble screens against us, a little bit like misdirection, and that's something Arkansas, they capitalize with those. Arkansas State, I'm sorry, Arkansas State, they, that's some of their favorite plays. So I think we could have we mixed it up a little bit more instead of going straight vanilla. We can't worry about a third game, our first two games. Some of that stuff you can't worry about. You got to go ahead and let the guys play. I think you just got to go ahead and let them play, man. Yeah, well, I think they will this week. Yeah. All and, right, Ross, um, you got anything else? Um, red shirt wise, um, you know, we have a lot of guys on, on wide receivers. It's, it, I guess, it's, it's, it's clear we're not going to see evidence to Cooper, right? We're not going to see evidence at all. Is he still hurt? He was out at practice today. Uh, you know, the thing is, I just, you know, to me, it it gets a little bit redundant with him and and Cager. So, like, you know, maybe maybe they'll try to redshirt him this year. He he was not okay. active on Saturday. Um, if we start seeing him active in in the next couple of weeks, then I guess that'll mean that they intend to play him. I mean, he's a great talent. He's going to be really really good. But it just might not be his time yet. You know, they might they might maybe they'll try to redshirt him. Yeah, he was at practice. Well, a, he was at practice out there running around today. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, it's obvious that you know we have a lot of guys. Mullins didn't even get a lot of targets. Um, we we have a lot of guys that we're trying to intertwine, and it's just trying to put into the game. I just you know we have a lot to look at, and I think we need to start scaling down and getting more basic two three guys, especially on offense, not so much on defense. So we got to do a lot of rotation. But on Sun's offense, we got to figure well, it out. Real I think fast. I think when it gets down to the to the nitty gritty, your your receivers are going to be Richards, Barrios, and Cager. Those are going to be your main okay. guys, and, and and then Harley, uh, and Thomas will get fit in there where they can fit those guys in, and uh, you know then from there you go to Mullins and stuff. But I mean, I, I think that's going to be you know, once we get down to the nitty gritty here, those are going to be the guys you see and. Um, thing I wonder about is what's DJ Dallas's role going to be on this team this year you know he's playing he's not red shirting um I just I you know when when I see it, it, it there's at least the appearance that Harley and Thomas are ahead of him and we'll see how it mm-hmm. plays out um to me DJ Dallas is a really good athlete and it's gonna be interesting to see what his future holds in, in terms of what you know does he stay at receiver you know do they maybe try to make him a DB um or even use him some at running back. It yeah, does, but what we better like, do, we better, he we better get right him now. involved. Well, we better yeah, get him not, involved because we, right won't, so it'll be we won't be able to get another recruit. We won't be able to get another recruit from that area, and we want to stay in, in Georgia. Here's the thing. Put him at the wildcat position a couple of times. Let him run it, show the ball, keep it, something that he's used to just to get his – or put him on kick return, punt return. Not punt return, but more kick return just to see if we could get him. But one last one, one last one, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit. It's going to, and I, you could, you go put me on hold after this one. It's going to be very important. I'm jumping way ahead. It's going to be very important that we score first and second against Georgia Tech. Because if they guys are healthy when we see them, even though we're, they're going to be on the road, it's clear that they they can control it. They control an entire entire quarter clock. It's ridiculous the things that they do with the ball. No, that's you know, if we're not if we're not ahead, it's it could be a problem. Well, I appreciate your time, man. Um, All right, Ross. Hey, thanks as hold. always. You, you always you always bring a whole library of stuff, man. I don't know how you do it, but man. Uh, hey, good, man. Because I, I, hey, good. I'm a diehard, and it's important to me that we do well, and it's important that we go beat Florida State. I don't care if they're playing with five cockroaches. They didn't <laughs> care when we was hurt. 
I don't care. They didn't care when we was hurt and we was low in, in numbers. And I think, you know, one more point. I think when the guy said that we didn't look like a real good oil machine like all the rest of the guys, don't forget we're down in numbers. We're down in numbers, and we're not going to look like some of these other guys until two or three years. And that's why we got to keep the defensive linemen that they're trying to get because they don't want us to get any better. So those, yep. those things are imperative for keeping those guys, and that's where we, our numbers are down. Once we get our numbers where we want it to be, we'll start looking like those guys too because physically we do, but we, number-wise we don't. And that's just my point on that. Yeah, good good point. Okay. All right, Ross, we'll talk All to you right, next man. week. Yep, keep talk me on to hold. you. You got it. Uh, thanks for being part of the show. All right, uh, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. If you're trying to call in and you hit a roadblock, which I understand some people might be having a problem, uh, just keep trying. Um, I'm told you'll eventually get through. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. And let's go out now to the 615. You're live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? Doing good. Who's this? This is the infamous Rocky Mountain Cane. Hey, what's up, man? Where you been? This is your your first call of the year. Yeah. Well, Golden's ass isn't here anymore, so I don't have to call in and gripe every week. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I just uh, called in because I felt bad for you not having anybody in the queue. So I thought I would grace you for my presence. Well, we appreciate it. You know, always Um, happy to have more callers. Yeah, man. So just overall, I love what Rick's doing. Recruiting's finally back to where it should be. Uh, kids look great physically. I always said incoming coaches, the decision on Swayze would make or break their time at Miami because that guy was just not a strength and conditioning coach. Um, we look like a joke the past decade outside of freaks like Bailey and Perryman and Majoku. Um but, yeah, I'll just jump right in, man. So, we know FSU is going to load the box in two weeks and stop Walton. So, what I want to know from you, do you think Rozier can beat them through the air? Because he's going to have to. I can't say that definitively. No. I mean, I, I, mean, I agree with you. I think if you're Florida State, that's the obvious strategy. You're not going to let Miami run the ball, and you're going to make Rozier be the guy that, win, that, that, that wins the game. And uh, we're going to find out. We are going to find out, no doubt about it, and uh, it'll be interesting. But I do agree with you. I think that'll be their strategy. Yeah, another thing. You know, I see a lot of guys upset about the Bethune game. And for me, I'll tell you why I don't think you can take anything from it. Sometimes that stadium that we play in, especially against inferior opponents, is like Mm -hmm. a tranquilizer. Mm -hmm. And I think it just lulls the guys to sleep. They're not into it. And you have an opponent that comes into that stadium – ready to kick Miami's ass because they're on the road and they think it's going to be a hostile environment. And our guys are just like, man, nobody's here. This is boring. Yeah. Um, I mean, I they announced like, the attendance, I think, about 50,000. I think it really was probably 35 to 40. And uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know, in those kind of games, that's why I hate those kind of games. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I think the, the atmosphere combined with the the lack of – an interesting opponent does serve kind of like as a tranquilizer and it's hard for those kids, especially the defensive kids to get up. I think the offensive kids, you know, they, they get to make the big plays, they get all the adulation and, and everything. But you know, I agree with you. I think it's tougher for the defensive kids. Oh yeah, man. You put us in a prime time environment. This team's going to look completely different guaranteed. Um, 
So another you're thing, gonna, I you're going to find out in ten days, the ten eleven days. <laughs> yeah, I agree with the previous caller earlier who said T. Martin wasn't as wasn't as talented as Peyton Manning. But you know, I think in today's college football, you have to be you got to have a QB who can move, man. I mean, Rozier may not be as talented, but I'll take him because he can move. Because Kaya just killed us, man. He looked like he was running in cement. Hey, there's no doubt so, the, the traditional pro style is a little bit of a dinosaur. There's no doubt, you know. Yeah. All right, man, I'm going to get off here, uh, let some of these other guys get on. Uh, one last point I want to make is uh, Greg, the first caller every week, he's the ghost mm-hmm. in terms of cane uh, sport callers. He's the man. He is. He's he, a good he, guy, too. He, I've, had, I've had the chance to meet him in my travels, and uh, I've seen him at home games, too, and uh, he's a good guy. So I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he calls him first every week. His his uh his voice makes my week, man. You need to put him on your payroll. <laughs> All right, man. All thanks right, for man. thanks always for calling Just in. Put me on hold. You got it. You got it. All right. Five six three nine 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 three six three three. Hit one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Let's go to the seven eight six. You are live on Kane Sport Live. Gary, how are you? Doing great. Who's this? It's everything 305. I hope you are getting ready for the storm, and you and your family are going to be just fine with it. Uh, like the rest of us, we're going to pull through this thing like always, right? I am, man. People are people are fired up about this storm down here. I mean, we've been trying to buy gas. The gas stations are out of gas. Yeah, I tried to go to Home Depot and buy some flashlights and lanterns and stuff, and they had nothing. <laughs> it's um, it's crazy. It's insane, I, and I just—I uh, guess that leads me into my first my first question here, or, or thought is, um, what are the particulars that uh, our athletic director and Arkansas State athletic director are discussing at, at this time, and and uh, do you feel that the game might even be moved up a little bit early to make sure that the, the kids can fly back home on, on late Friday night, Saturday morning? So, no. No, no, I don't think they'll do that. I, I mean, I, I just think that, you know the biggest issue is logistics, and I, I think that um, I'll be surprised if this cha- if this changes. But I mean, I think you might see Miami fly out Thursday, maybe you know Thursday afternoon or something like that. Um, they they've made some changes tomorrow. Um, have shut off media availability and and things like that, which leads me to think that they're. Um, speeding up the timeline a little bit and, and in terms of the team getting ready to travel and stuff like that. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they say they're leaving Thursday and just to make sure they can get out. But I don't think there's any reason why Miami would have to cancel the game. I mean, nothing's happened yet and uh, they can travel and get there. Um, I think if the storm hits, you might see them reschedule the charter home and, and keep, they might keep the team, in Memphis for an extra day or two, or, or if things are really bad, maybe the whole week before they go on to Tallahassee, I don't know what's going to happen there, but um, there's no reason they have to cancel the game since it's a road game. I think if it were a home game, um, there'd be some things they'd have to talk about. When you look at the logistical challenges that they're going to face, I'm sure the, the athletic equipment uh, uh, department and the guys that, that run that room to do a fantastic job, by the way, they're going to be planning on possibly being gone for, like you said, maybe like even five five to six days. They have to plan that way. 
Uh, yeah, so you know they bring a couple extra sets of clothes. They, they you know, they 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 travel with these big uh, semi trucks, so you know they can load up an extra truck or something with 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 gear if they need to, just to have open contingencies yeah. and just get it up to So you know, huge challenge, especially for the for the decision makers in this process. So I, you know, he's placed in a fantastic job, and I hope he can. Yeah, I, just, I think you just have to have flexibility. You gotta have flexibility in in this situation because nobody knows. I mean, what's gonna happen on the weekend? You just gotta be just like we do as people living down here in South Florida. We have to be prepared. I think they just have to be prepared for all contingencies and think everything through and make sure they're covering all the bases. Well, it's a great. Yeah, like if it were if it were if it were me, I would bring the families on the road trip. I you know I'd make room for the wives and kids on the plane, and um. You know, just so the coaches had their families with them in case they couldn't come home. There's that's little a, things you can do. That's a great point, Gary. Especially yeah, get a pri- get an extra little private plane to fly the wives and kids up. You know, whatever you got to do. Yeah, I would do little stuff like that. That way, everyone has peace of mind. It, it, it's times like this that you wish the MT2A would have a uh, just utilize some common sense and have some policies in place to. To help, like the parents that are going to be going out there to watch their kids play, um, you know, they can also endure a hardship coming back. A lot of things to take into account. I just wish the NCAA was a little bit more proactive in helping out and uh, doing the things that we used to do, you know, years ago. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the game on Saturday and just a few things that I saw that were kind of disturbing. Um, and, and basically, uh, the first thing that, that stood out to me, Gary, um, I don't know if that was your perception as well, but. We look so slow on special teams. Um, I'm used to guys on kickoff coverage, you know, the ball's pretty much hitting the end zone or it's at five inside the five yard line and we got three we got two guys there. Uh the the closest guy was about fifteen yards away. Um I, I really didn't see a, a lot of explosiveness there. I didn't see guys coming off their block. Um it just looked like we were like we were like treading in mud for a while and then you had an earlier caller that talked about how bad the turf was, and it was pretty bad. But uh, I just didn't see – I didn't see the same type of explosiveness, and I don't know if, if it's we're using a lot of young kids in those spots now, and, and I didn't see Mark Walton on special teams this weekend. So I don't know if we're, we're subbing freely throughout the, the board and getting kids involved, but we, we look slow, and, that, and that's a huge concern. I don't know if you saw that, but that's something that, that really stood out to me. I didn't um... – evaluate it with the same critical eye that you did, but I would agree with you just on the surface that I didn't think the special teams looked very good. I, I agree with you. I, um, I, I thought they, they covered and blocked on special teams. Very average. Uh, definitely not what we're used to seeing. Um, another they spent a lot of time on it too. You know, it, it's like, but, but I, I agree with you. That's an area where the team can improve. And I, and I'm sure Todd Hartley, uh, feels the same way and is working very hard to try to figure out how to do it. And it, it might mean using more of your starters, you know, and things like that. You'd hate to see Mark Walton out there right, chasing down kickoffs like he has in the past, but uh, you know, they may, they, they may have to have to do some of that. And I, you know, I think we got to be fair. I mean, I think in some cases you're playing sometimes with freshmen out there and stuff who have never done it before and you can't emulate, live action special teams very well on the practice field because it's the same guys that are doing both. So 
it's it's difficult to get looks at practice, no question. But I, I think just knowing what your responsibilities are and and having the mentality that was utilized from day one last year, it, it appeared from the very first practice, an aggressive mentality. Uh, we didn't look that aggressive on special teams. We, we kind of looked like we were just like trying to make sure we didn't screw up. And it, 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 you know, when you're thinking, you're not going fast. You're not acting instinctually. And that, and that was a thing that I that I noticed. But anyway, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that's been addressed and uh, we'll be a little bit better on special teams. Uh, I look at the offensive line a lot, Gary, and um, it's always, you know, I, I always point out how this game is won and lost in the trenches. No matter what, that's what, you know, that's the, the battle you've got to win on every snap. But uh, the kid from Central, and I know I, everybody ballyhooed this kid, but uh, I don't think he had that many mental mistakes. I, I think he had for his Cal's debut, that's one of the better ones I've seen. Uh, I agree. For offensive linemen. Um, and I, I, I'm going to go back to uh, kids from Texas. We had a long, long time ago. We started as a true freshman. Uh, Andy Fox, I believe, at left tackle. Uh-huh. Jason Fox. And, and I, Jason Fox, okay. And, and he was – I think he had like one or two medals as well, but and I guess a better team. But uh, I was just really impressed with this kid. Uh, I mean, he really set the tone. Uh, he went out there on a couple of plays and – he got to the third level, killed a, a free safety and a strong safety. I mean, he, he looked as good as any true freshman offensive lineman we've ever had. I would. That's exactly what I would say. If if you were asking me unsolicited what my opinion is, I think he is he is as good as any freshman lineman that's ever played in the program. If not better. I, I, I mean, we're comparing I, him to guys like you know Fox, like you mentioned, Vernon Carey played as a true freshman. Um, there were others. But, but Eric Flowers played as a true freshman. But yeah, I mean, this yeah, kid, yeah. The, 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 this kid is the real deal now. Uh, um, and, and I looked at uh, Tyler a lot, and I, I felt I know he had some penalties, um, but I felt when you when I when I well, I was looking through the binoculars a little bit, when I saw him up close, and he was really doing a nice job of just taking his guy and just plowing him three yards right off the ball. I got the snap every time. I, I think his, his aggressive play at the center position, uh, I mean, Linder's inability to do that, I think is what cost him his, his, his starting job. But I, I really like what I was seeing from the, from the interior of the line, and I think that's, Ty- that's what starts. Tyler Gauthier, to me, from the time he came into the program to now, has probably taken the greatest leap of maybe anybody on the roster. I mean, you know, he was a little bit behind early in his career, but ever since they gave him an opportunity last year, he has just taken it and he has seized it and run with it. And I agree with you. I think he's a quality center now. And I think by the time he's done a year from now, that he might be a guy that gets to play in the National Football League. I don't think that's a stretch by, by any stretch of the imagination, no pun intended, but I, I think he's got a great chance there. I think he really does because he's, He's so good at the point of attack that when, when he snaps, I mean, he, he's hitting this guy right away. I mean, he's going to his assignment right away. And I, I know he was a little early. He had a, he had a snap infraction one time, but I just I was impressed with the kid. And, and I kind of – I got to give this kid a little bit of love, too, because I think he played one of his better games that he has in the last two, two years. It was, it was Trevor Darling. Trevor played a nice game, had two penalties. I understand that. And they were both – one was ticky-tacky, but – uh, he looked he looked uh, light on his feet. 
got to his rotations well. I mean, he, he was active. He picked up a blitz one time. He, he had his guy and came over and picked up a blitzer with one hand. I mean, I, I saw some really good things out of him. I don't think he's played this well in a long time. Yeah, I think the first five on the O-line, are, they're, they're good. It's a good O-line. You just got to pray that nobody gets hurt the whole year because if they start getting into the sixth, seventh, eighth, it's gonna it gets it gets a lot uglier pretty quick. I mean, Corey Gaynor is gonna be a good player one day, but as a true freshman, he is not ready <laughs> for this. And um, you know, he he doesn't have Navon Donaldson's body, and um, I don't think you want to see him have to be out there every play. And uh, Hayden Mahoney's a guy that uh, I mean, I would have predicted would never see the field at Miami. So we'll see. We'll see definitely. Uh, yeah, on the defense side of the ball, a couple things that. Uh, that stood out to me is, um, and I understand, I, I totally get what Manny was trying to do. He was trying to make his linebackers cover wide receivers, all those dual stacks and all those things. Like he, he made his guys cover a lot of fields. And I don't know if it's to get them ready. Uh, he really didn't start blitzing. We had like one or two goal line situations where he brought some fire in there. But for the most part, he stayed in base. Uh, he went to nickel and dime a little bit, but when I went to the game again, I, he really – he was forcing uh, he was forcing his guys to cover a lot of ground, which is not something you want to do necessarily. Uh, and I don't know if he's having to do that because of the inability of the secondary and those guys, and he's trying to maximize the best talent that he has to those linebackers to do it. But either way, Gary, it's a mismatch that's going to be exploited this weekend if, if we don't get in the nickel. I, I think you've got to give that an opportunity. And, and when we did, uh, it's it, we were still kind of playing soft on the boundary. And I don't, I don't know why that was the team this time. And the only thing that I can assume here is that our, our, our secondary is not where it needs to be right now in many ways. Uh, it's not, you, you know, they got to get it there somehow, some way. They got to find the right combinations and, and uh, get better. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of great passing teams on the schedule this year. So that's a good thing. Yeah, totally agree, and 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 I and I think the kid from Palm Beach, uh, I think he's got to play a lot more. And, and I, I'm not trying to say that uh, that JJ is not uh, effective, but I I think he's got to play more. And I think JJ's got to come in on, the, on that be the nickel guy, which in that role last year he was very solid with it. Um, and I think you got to let this guy uh, kind of take the role that Carter has. Um, I don't know if Manny's gonna. I don't know if he trusts him yet. But the kid's got good instincts. He's around the ball and he's, he, he lays a lumber. We all know they're young and they're dumb and they're gonna they're gonna miss some assignments. I get all that. But yeah, the problem I, I the, the, like, the problem with that that position is that if if you make mistakes, they they become glaring really quick and and they cost you ball games because it's seven. So um, I'm sure it does take time for safeties to get the trust of, of the coaches. Well, I, I'm just hoping that that improves because uh, they're going to be great. <laughs> I've watched Arkansas State already twice, and uh, Gary, they're going to be really tested. I mean, this this, this offense is—I mean, it's a fast pace. They get the ball. I mean, and the guy throws sidearm, which is kind of even more amazing that he's able to get the ball off as quick as he does. Uh, they got to be quick. I mean, they—they're not going to have much time. And, and I know that the first twenty is going to be scripted to a T. Uh, so I'm hoping we come out with a more aggressive game plan. I know we've got to be safe because there's a lot of inexperience there, but uh, I, I don't want to be as I don't want to look as passive as we look uh, 
throughout the course of that game. And I think the scheme, in many ways, always impacts the mentality across the board. So if you go play a little bit softer, it takes a little bit of uh, takes your edge away a little bit. And even even uh, with our defensive linemen, you could see that early on. I mean, they were just like they weren't there. I don't know if, if it was that or not, but that's that's something that was glaring to me. It, it just wasn't the same uh, defense that we're accustomed to seeing. And I know that Mandy chewed them out today and all that. That's all good for the for the press and for the clippings and all that and that stuff, but. Uh, I, I, w- I want them to be a little bit more more uh, aggressive. And, I, again, I don't know if it stems from Manny's point of getting them ready, uh, having to force them to get in situations that are uncomfortable, or, or was he playing to his strengths in the very beginning? I don't know. But we'll find out on, on Thursday. And, and last but not least, I wanted to talk about uh, the putter. Uh, Gary, we got a really good one there. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be all right. I mean, he's – he, uh, he he's able to place the ball where he wants to, and uh, he didn't seem rushed at all. Um, I'm not going to say he's better than his dad was at that time as a true freshman, but but damn, he's pretty good. Yeah, he's going to keep getting better too. He, I mean, he's I, I I first watched him back last December at the Under Armour game, and I I walked away with saying thinking he. You know, he had some work left to do, and he's considerably better now than he was then, which tells me that he's just going to keep getting better. He's a worker. He's kind a of like Badgley. You know, Badgley was pretty good when he was young, a little younger, and he's been progressively getting better, and now he's a really good kicker. Yeah, on the recruiting front, um, anything – I know you guys had a couple of uh, articles that came out, but anything that, that's concerning you right now recruiting-wise? Um, defensive tackles, you know, I, I, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, I know, I know they're, they're doing pretty well with Dennis Briggs and that's good. I, you know, obviously they got to hold on to Silvera, uh, but you know, I'd like to see them land, a, 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 you know, another one or two really top shelf defensive tackles. So we'll see how that goes. Have they uh, continued to recruit the kid from Independence Community College in Kansas, uh, Big D Tackle, who was a three-star, and he, he's up to a four-star. Have they continued to look at him? I believe Remind he's from, me his uh, name? Same, uh, forget the last name. I know he's from Gulfport, Mississippi, and somehow, some way, uh, uh, akin to uh, the late Tess Kennedy. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, you'd have to give me the name. I just know them by names, not really their high schools all the time. But um, right. there's a, there's, I know there's a lot of new new names that are like starting to kind of get into the picture. We've been writing a lot about that Trevor Trout kid from St. Louis. Uh, there's a kid by the name of uh, Tyler Friday from, from New Jersey, who I know that they've been looking at a little bit. A kid from Kansas City, uh, Daniel Carson. Um, Jordan Davis. Is that I'm, I'm trying to remember what high school he's from. Um, he's another one that that they've been talking to quite a bit. So I mean they're 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 like you know they're looking hard, and I think by the end of the day they'll they'll land a few of these kids and end up okay at the position. But uh, that's where if you if you tell me you know where would I like to see the see the class get better, I think I would say defensive tackle. And and your thoughts right now on us keeping our our, our current. Uh, defensive back commits. How, how are we looking then in terms of keeping old guys? I feel pretty good about it. The the, the one I would more worry the most about is um is Job. 
just because he's in Connecticut now, they can't really keep an eye on him. Uh, he's obviously being recruited by a lot of schools. Uh, I think that there'll be some things offered to him from some people, you know, that that might pollute the situation a little bit. Uh, so I, I, I'd be a little worried about him uh, the, the most. You know, I'd be a little bit worried about the fact that Al Blades is not really playing a lot for St. Thomas. I don't think there's any threat that he's going to fall out of the class or whatever, but um, it's, a, it's a little bit strange that he's not really playing a lot right now. But uh, I think for the most part, the defensive back class is in pretty solid shape. And, and, and looking at Job, uh, I, I, somebody put out on one of the message boards that if uh, if it came down to it that if, if Tyson committed to us, that he would probably pull out. Uh, no, I don't believe that. that no, I don't believe that at all. From my understanding, they get along really well, and, and so does Al with Blades and, and yeah. Flyers. And that's what I've heard. I, I, I haven't heard No, I don't believe that at all. Okay, man. Well, Gary, I really appreciate your time and uh, hoping uh, we all went to the storm well and also hoping we go out there to Jonesboro and, and take care of our business and get ready for the big game the following week. But uh, I appreciate your time. If you could put me on hold, I really would appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for being part of the show. All right, 563-999-3633, 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. Uh, we're moving into hour number three. We'll go as long as uh, you guys want to go. So if you want to get in, hit that one on your keypad so you pop in the queue. Before I get out to, to uh, more calls, let me uh, take a moment here to play for you guys what Arkansas State coach Blake Anderson um, said about Miami and the game. We, we've got to improve from week one to week two. The challenge gets even more difficult with, with Miami coming in. We take all the size that uh, Nebraska had, and you add that with speed, and you negate our speed advantage, and we still have some size disadvantages, and so it, it is a tremendous challenge uh, to uh, to find a way to improve and then find a way to get a win here at home against one of the best teams in the country. And to me, it's, it's really more about us than it is about Miami. We know they're going to be extremely talented and really good, uh, in, in basically every position, offensively and defensively, but it's the it's the mistakes that we made that that we can't afford to make again. We we can't drop the ball offensively and defensively. We can't miss tackles in one on one situations and give up more yardage, and we can't have coverage breakdowns and busts because of poor communication. So we've just got to improve our job and then see how that relates to Miami. Um, taking on Miami, what do you see getting ready for a hurricane squad that has a very good running back in Walton? So how are you going to contain him on Saturday? Well, good luck containing any of them because if you, you you deal with him, then you got dudes like Berrios and all the other guys. And, and I mean, th- th- there's there's too many weapons to to concentrate on one. We we've got to uh, we got to try to get eleven hats around the ball. Uh, we, we saw a big running back this week, big physical running back, but just even the speed that we're going to get. Uh, from Walton is gonna is gonna change the game and, and even when he's out on the field, I think the uh, the, the backup number twenty four is maybe even more explosive and quicker than him. Uh, you can kind of get you can kind of get cross eyed and confused if you start trying to figure out all the different weapons. They're all good, they're all fast, and they're all big. That's why they're picked to win the coastal. This is going to be more about us just uh, getting guys on the ground, minimizing the big play. Uh, and, and, you know, hoping that we can 
you know, make them extend a drive and make a mistake. Maybe we bat a ball and pick a ball off or, or, or even get them off schedule. But when you look at player by player, mm-hmm. there's going to be very few, if any, matchups that we win on paper. So it, it's going to come down to sound, solid, mistake-free football on both sides. And also their defense is pretty good, too. They're like basically their <laughs> sophomores. A lot of sophomore defense people there at Miami, like um, Shaquille yeah. uh, Furman. Yeah, so just talk about the defense. You know, what do you have to do? Well, I've heard, I've heard uh, several experts say maybe the best front seven in the country. And, and on paper and on film, they look to be just that. Uh, again, the size that we saw a week ago from Nebraska, but, but you add the speed to go with it and change the direction. We had advantages offensively against Nebraska's defense because of our speed and our quickness and even our, our size at wideout. And, and all those are negated this week against Miami, uh, and so we, we, we get the same thing. We cannot drop the ball. We dropped 10 passes this week. We cannot give them anything. We've, we've got to play mis- mistake-free football against probably the best defensive front in the country. So a glowing review of your Miami Hurricanes from Blake Anderson. Certainly more glowing than the fans felt. Uh, you've been hearing it all night. A lot of disappointment about the defense and the fact that they weren't dominant in week one, but at least you got a glimpse there of what the outside world looking in is thinking right now as we go to week two. All right, let's go out to the 727 now. You're live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Gary. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Who's this? This is uh, Enrique from Tampa. Hey, what's up, Enrique? Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, I mean, I don't disagree with uh, Coach Anderson's assessment of Miami. I mean, we're pretty fast. Uh, the guys in the trenches are pretty big. Um, where I do somewhat disagree with him is he says it's going to be more about his team. I mean, on the on the talent talent level alone, you can play, you know, when the disparity is that big, you can play a, a pretty good game against Miami and still not win the game. So I think it's how well – on the flip side, I think it's how well Miami executes their game plan and do they, you know, get the tackles in, in, in the open field and can Rozier execute, can can the running backs find the holes and whatnot. I'm not totally worried about them, but um, we'll see how it plays out. Um, Arkansas State is the sexy pick on ESPN right now to put Miami on upset alert. Really? Uh, is, do you think – yeah. They, they, said, they actually articles. said that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, right. you know, I don't, you know, I think that, that Miami better show up to play. I think this is a legit opponent. I've been talking about it all night. This is not, I mean, it's not a, it's not a great team. It's a Sun Belt team, but it's one of the better teams on the Sun Belt. You're going on the road to play them in, in obviously a a, a huge opportunity for them, and they and you're going to get their, if not their best game, you're going to get their best effort. Right. So you would attribute that. My question would, was, uh, you would attribute that more to their performance against Nebraska than, say, Miami's lackluster performance against Cookman. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I and I and I think that people respected Arkansas State even before their performance against Nebraska. I've had people telling me all summer, "Don't sleep on that Arkansas State game." That those guys, you know, they come to play and they're, they're, you know, that they'll give Miami a test. And I think it's good if they give Miami a test. Obviously, you don't want to lose the game or be in danger of losing the game. But like right. I said earlier in the show, I think it's good if Miami's tested a little bit and has to get its hearts racing a little and, and has to actually summon 
some quality play this week because you know right. I don't I just don't believe that you're going to walk into Tallahassee and flip a switch like you know you have to have you know gotten into the groove a little bit. Right. And uh, since we're on the topic of FSU, it seems like they they've got that true freshman starting at quarterback, and now I'm pretty sure Cam Akers started the game for him, or at least he had the bulk of the carries. You got a true freshman at quarterback, true freshman at running back. What can Miami do to take advantage of their inexperience? Oh well, I think they're gonna they're they're gonna do to to the freshman quarterback what Florida State's gonna try to do to Rozier, get him rattled yeah. and 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 you know put the fear of God in him and and, and that's what you got to try to do. You go after him, you try to be physical with him, you mix your coverages, you get you get his mind racing. I mean, there's a lot that that I'm sure they're gonna try to do. Right. I have. I don't know but, why. But I, but thought, I have you know a what? Feeling. I looked at it as an equalizer, though. To be honest, right. because you know Rozier is going to be playing his fourth game of his life too. This kid will be mm-hmm. playing the second and a half or whatever. So I mean, right. it, it, you know, I consider it an equalizer, even though Rozier is an older, more mature kid and and has a little bit more experience in terms of game preparation and things like that. Um, now both teams have quarterbacks that don't really have much of a track record. Right. So not just for the FSU game, but how good can Rozier be? I mean, we saw, in my opinion, he missed some pretty easy throws versus Cookman. Was that more jitters or, you know, is that what we got? Is that to be expected? No, I think that's who he is. Yeah, that's who he is. He's not, you know, he's not going to be in every single play franchise quarterback. I mean, it's just not going to happen. But uh, I think what he showed you is he's got a good arm. He can make a lot of throws, uh, that he can execute a lot of plays as good as they can be executed. And, you know, I, I think you just got to hope that his bad plays don't negatively impact the game. And the other day they didn't. Like, he made some bad throws the other day, but they didn't negatively mm-hmm. impact the game. They sailed out of bounds or whatever. He didn't give receivers a chance on some of those one-on-one deep routes by, with his ball placement and stuff like that. But it didn't negatively impact the game, and I think that's what you right. got to hope for right now. I think what you got the other day when you looked at the whole body of work, I, I, and I, you know, I think it was about as good as what you could expect from him. All right. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of Jess Thomas on the field. I know he was on there, but it seemed like Mark, uh, Mike Harley was on there more than he was. Is there a reason for that? Does maybe Harley have more of a grasp of the offense than Jeff Thomas does? Well, I think with um, with Richards out, uh, I think you I think what you're going to eventually see is I think you'll see Cager uh, slide out to what they call the Z a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how they're how they're going to work the rotations, but I, but I, I think it, it, that that was the biggest thing that that Harley's just playing one of the outside positions, which was a player down with Amon Richards missing the game. Um, but I think if the it, you know when it really comes down to nitty gritty, I think the three receivers you're going to see out there the most are going to be Richards, uh, Barrios, and Cager. I think you'll right. see Langham worked in a little bit. I see you'll I think you'll see Thomas worked in some in the slot. And I think you'll see Harley uh, used on, you know, right now they're using him on the outside and trying to do some different things with him in space, which, we, you know, which is a good strategy. But, uh, you know, they've got a lot of options with their receivers. And I think they're, you know, they're trying to get guys to the point where they can play multiple positions and, and, and depending on the play, be used in different ways. I thought that uh, this last game probably would have been the best game uh, to break those guys in and putt return. But we saw a lot of uh... – 
Braxton back there. Is that? Do you think that's going to stay that way for the rest of the year? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that they trust Braxton. I think that you know, you don't. You're hesitant if you've got a guy like Braxton that you know you can count on, who's experienced as a punt returner. Um, and I think Braxton's a good punt returner. I think it, the reason he doesn't um, shine as much in that area as he could is because they don't block very well on specialty. I agree. In my opinion. I agree. And and you know I don't see a lot of great blocking for the returners on the, on punt returns or kickoff returns. But um, you know I think Braxton gives them a guy. I mean even if you're great on punt returns, you're only going to house a couple in an entire season. I mean you know you want a guy back there that's going to make good decisions that's going to catch the football and not let it, you know, that can get to the spot and make the catch so that the ball doesn't go bouncing an extra 30 yards. Um, and a guy that's not going to turn it over and Braxton Berrios gives you that. Right. And uh, last question. Uh, and this is just harping on uh, or piggybacking off what the last caller uh, said. I think Nesta is our salute. Um I think he's pretty good on, uh, on his commitment to Miami, I think unless somebody comes in out of nowhere and Miami kind of starts to cool off on him, I think he's ours to lose, whereas I think Job is Tyler Bird 2.0. I mean, I don't I don't think he, you know, it's a, it's a flip on signing day, but I think the writing's on the wall with him. Well, I think Alabama got their claws into him early and – is trying to trying to keep their claws into them, and I think mm-hmm. uh, you know part of them wants to go to Miami, and you know Alabama's not giving up, and we'll see what happens. You know. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Gary. You can go but ahead I would think it'll be my, it'll be Alabama or Miami. I think I I I I find it hard to believe anybody else is going to get in there at this point. Right, and I agree with you. I agree with you. It's just I I don't really go on Twitter all that often. But when I do, I see these little notifications that pop up, and it's usually him putting something about some other school and not a whole lot about Miami. So he's either playing a game or he's just really not that into it. And I know he's visiting yeah, campus a whole lot, but now that he's in a different state, things things can change pretty quickly. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how this one turns out because, yeah. you know, I had – I spoke to him face to face back in Feb, you know, back in February, and I mean we've seen him and stuff since then or whatever. But I had a face to face with him that I didn't feel was very encouraging, and and you know, so we'll see. It'll, it'll be very interesting to see how it, it turns out in the end. I know Miami's been doing a really good job. They've been they've been working it as hard as you can work it. They, they've done a great job of recruiting this class and getting all the kids to bond with each other and all that. But now that he's in Connecticut, I think you know that makes all bets off that it's going to be harder to keep that hold on them, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. Awesome, Gary. Thank you. You got it. Thanks for being part of the show. All right. 563-999-3633. You hit the number one on your keypad if you want to come on the show. I got an open board right now, which means if you want to come on, you can get on right away. I'm going to go finish the questions that were submitted by the posters on the canesport.com message boards for topics they wanted addressed on tonight's show. Then I'm going to come back on the board. If we have more callers that want to come on, we'll continue. If not, um, we'll call that the, uh, the end and, uh, and uh, go back to preparing for this storm, which based on what I'm seeing on TV, those models, they keep, they, they've got about 10 different models, but all of them seem to point right down the middle of the state of Florida where 
all of us who are down here in the 305 and 954 and 561 reside. So uh, it's going to be a little interesting this week as we move forward. All right. So if the coaches really thought that cornerback would have been a problem, wouldn't they have tried DJ Dallas at cornerback when he got here? Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I think I, I, I think um, going into camp that they expected more from Javante Dean. I think that when Javante was recruited as a junior college kid, that there was every expectation that he would show up and be ready to be a frontline cornerback for this team. So DJ Dallas went through this, the, the spring and and summer at receiver and that's where he's been getting all his work and uh he wasn't a cornerback so dean didn't progress as fast as you they probably expected him to and i think they have a little bit of a void out there at cornerback but i think it might be a little tough to change gears with dj dallas right now i don't know it'll be interesting to see because dj seems a little bit um i don't want to say lost because it's early in the year but he doesn't seem to have carved out the same level of role as the other freshmen, Mike Harley and Jeff Thomas have. So we'll see what happens. I think he's too good of an athlete to not have a home somewhere. Uh, so I can't really predict what's going to happen in the future. You have more good receivers coming into the program next year. So I think we just have to watch and see how DJ develops and the decisions that the coaches make. And um, they just have to find the right spot for him. Like I said, he's just he's, – to me, he's too good of an athlete to go through a career being a bit player, and I'm sure that's not what they have in mind for him. But let's face it, the receiver position is very crowded right now. Where was the intensity for this team on Saturday? It didn't look like it carried over from last year. And, yeah, we've talked about it all night. I mean, it was missing in action on defense, and Manny Diaz expressed his displeasure – to the players on Sunday and, and, and Monday of this week, and I'm sure today as well. And I think that you're going to see a whole different mindset this week. I really do. I think they're going to come out much more motivated with much more of a chip on their shoulder. I think that watching film all week of this Arkansas State team carving up the Nebraska defense will wake these guys up, and I, I think you're going to see them play a lot harder this week. If we had to make a prediction – what happens with Nikozi Perry this year? Well, you know, right now it w- I think it would be that he redshirts unless there's an injury at quarterback. I, I mean, as you go through the weeks here, uh, I mean, it doesn't look to me like Arkansas State's the kind of game that they're going to get to the third quarterback. You know, and then you're, you know, your, your next game at Florida State, you're certainly not likely to get to the third quarterback. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, as you go on from there, um, I mean, I guess you could potentially against Toledo, but if he hasn't played by then, why play him then? Because then you're getting into the conference schedule and you don't figure to get to your third quarterback then either. So I think right now, I, I, unless there's an injury at the position that it's looking like Nikozi Perry is going to redshirt this year, which is fine. Uh, It's not what I would have predicted would happen. I really thought he would walk into the program. I still feel he's the best talent at the quarterback position. Um, I thought he would have shown up a little bit more game ready than he did. But you know what? 
in in reality, that's a pipe that's a pipe dream. You know, a true freshman, and I know Florida State's rolling out one now. It typically are just not ready for this level of football coming out of high school. And you know, Nicosi played three A, which is not you know the upper tier of high school ball. And you know, he's just needed some time to develop. But you know, make no mistake, he's plenty talented. And uh, when the day comes that he's far and away better than the other guys on the roster, I think that's when Mark Rick will put him out there, and I don't think he'll hesitate. Uh, but that's not the case right now, especially with going on the road to Arkansas State this week and then Florida State. You know, I, don't, I, I obviously don't think it's even an issue right now. Which Coastal Division team will give the Hurricanes the hardest time on their way to the ACC title game this year? Um, Virginia Tech, clearly, um, other than Miami, is the class of the Coastal. Um, I think you know, Georgia Tech's a little dangerous. I think Pitt's a little dangerous. But I think Virginia Tech is the best, is, 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 is the best challenger to Miami in the Coastal, and I expect that to be a big game later in the season. What would be considered a trap game this year? Well, the first one is this Saturday, and I think it's interesting that you know some of the pundits on ESPN are predicting that the Hurricanes will be upset. I mean, I know why they're doing it. Arkansas State is a quality team. I think they figure Miami is going to be looking ahead to Florida State and isn't going to be ready to play this game. But I think Miami will be ready to play this game. I, I think the, the offense was ready last week and will be ready again. I think the defense will show up with a little bit of a chip on the shoulder, knowing that it didn't play its best last week. And I think you're going to see a lot more plays being made uh, by those guys. And, uh, you know, I think Miami will be ready, but, you know, I would definitely consider this a trap game. I think the game at Duke is a trap game. You know, not another team that's just capable enough if you have a bad day uh, to give you a tussle. And um, I think the game at Pittsburgh for sure could be a trap game if Pittsburgh still has something to play for at the end of the season. And uh, obviously we don't know that now, but we'll see how it plays out. And what are the Hurricanes' chances of going undefeated if they continue to improve? <laughs> Boy, here's what I'll say on that one. Uh, let's discuss that uh, two shows from now. Uh, let's get through that game in Tallahassee first, and then we'll evaluate uh, what's going to happen the rest of the season. All right, guys, that's going to do it for tonight. I want to thank everybody that called in and participated in the show. I want to thank our presenting sponsor, the startup.com. The guys, uh, the company that was started by Canes fans and only hires guys that are Canes fans, which I, which I think is really cool. I love that. That's why I keep repeating it. But uh, the startup.com, if you're an entrepreneur or a businessman, they'll try to help you take your business to the next level. Uh, check them out. And uh, we thank them for being a part of Canes Sport Live. And uh, I want everybody to stay safe this week. You know, take care of your families, and the Hurricanes hopefully will be fine up there um, in Arkansas. And then we'll reconvene a week from tonight and start getting ready for the week that everybody loves the most, and that's the uh, Florida State game. So um, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you again next Tuesday night. 